Okay, so welcome to session 13 of our Smoke and Snow OSE campaign. I've got my normal assortment of excellent players. Last time, they travelled to a ruined tower in the Whale Song Forest, which they explored, finding many strange and mutated creatures inside. They eventually discovered that through various clues that they pieced together and things they found, that it appeared, for all intents and purposes, to have once been the domain of an ancient wizard who dwelt here before the great ice age that once engulfed Valconan. This wizard, unwilling to abandon the world and join the exodus heading south towards the equator, like the player character's ancestors did, decided he was going to try and find a way to adapt people to the new climate. And he'd created a sort of magical circle that when people were placed inside it, they were mutated presumably once this was guided by his magics but now just seemed to like randomly mutate people they found the the charred corpse of said mage lying on the outskirts of the circle so something had obviously gone wrong however his servant a large bronze golem was still following its previous orders to go out and capture subjects to put in this like, mutation chamber the, the golem didn't directly interact with the, the player's characters. He just went out, grabbed the subject, brought it back to be mutated. They, as they left the tower, unfortunately Malcolm had been affected by the, the mutation chamber from having been in there. And he, he seemed to have acquired almost like sort of acne or sort of like scaly, like rough skin on his face, arms, legs, etc. So as they left without harm they pondered what to do next brother lomas seemed intent on the fact they had to stop the bronze golem they couldn't just allow it to continue grabbing people at random and seemingly at random intervals as it followed this perhaps pre-programmed circuit through the whale song forest grabbing anyone it saw so we're going to pick up now with you guys effectively stood outside the ruined tower in the whale song forest it's a a fairly temperate day as far as things go in Valconan, although it's obviously still colder than it would be back in Roeli in your home continent but it's fairly temperate we're still in Valconan summer for as we know being up at the far north Valconan only really has two seasons summer and winter it's fairly temperate there's a the sun's shining brightly however as you look up at the sun you notice that unlike normal there seems to be almost like a a sort of fiery like corona around the the sun almost like a almost like a sort of halo or like a ring of fire that you can see as sort of like red and occasionally you see like a little flare of it come out now because occasionally i like sort of throwing things open to the players and getting your input on stuff like this I thought I'd throw this open to you guys because the the corona was randomly generated by the the calendar maker that I used from Don John. So I'm going to ask you guys and obviously come up with this between yourselves. Is this a normal thing to see like this sort of ring of red fire around the normally yellow sun? Is it a is it a strange or unknown thing? Is it like a portent? Does it happen at regular intervals? What do you guys think? My my initial thought would be that it's some kind of um, 
you know, where you get maybe like another planet. What is it? A conjunction or something like that? Where another planet in the solar system has kind of aligned. Yeah, so sort of aligned. moved in the way of the sun, and you're seeing the light sort of bleeding around. Yeah, the like maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know if behind or in front. I'm not. I'm not really up on all that stuff, but I wonder if it's some kind of um, um, alignment. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so like, talking eclipse. Yeah, something like that maybe. I'm fine with planetary conjunction. It's not going to be like a total eclipse because you can still see daylight, although the light will be slightly dimmed and it will have like a slightly reddish hue to it. So Collins came up with the idea that it's a planetary conjunction. So to the to the hey that's fine by me, mate. I'll retrospectively Google it. Hey, that's all right, mate. It's all good. <laughs> So, t- to the rest of you guys, if someone wants to shout up, do these planetary conjunctions happen often? As we know, such things in sort of actual history were often seen as signs or portents of things. What do the rest of you reckon? Or is it just like something that happens well, like every now and again? Yeah, I mean, I'd have thought it would have been, if it is that that's causing it, it would, we would be on a cycle of some sort whether it be so many months or once a year or once every 10 years or i don't know i think that's up for discussion how well, well, yeah, often it I mean, happens but obviously obviously for us sort of out of character we know that like these things happen because of planetary orbits and stuff like that but for for people living in the setting who probably aren't up on like their astrophysics and stuff like that how would the sort of like the people of the world see it so like, we know like back in medieval times like an eclipse was could be seen as like a sign of like doom or something like that. Oh no, I'm just saying that it because of what's causing it, it would be regular, but they yeah. wouldn't know why it was regular. Yeah, yeah. man, imagining imagine not knowing why all that stuff happened. I mean these guys, they must have been such no, they're, they're scared of their own shadow, really. <laughs> they know nothing compared mm-hmm. to us astrophysicists. Yeah. Like this this is <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got that down. You really put them guys to shame, man. Um, so I, I mean, would it be connected to the whole freezing over, you know, all the the ice? Um, oh yeah, it could be a super long. It could be a super long cycle, like. Yeah. Okay. So so why don't we say that like, the last time this happened was like when the when the sort of ice age happened? Yeah, when it came. Okay. So then that would mean that we have absolutely no idea what's about to happen. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. so we don't even know what this is. Like, uh, we don't know why it's happening. We don't know what this... There's no social events tied to this at all? No. And is this the first day or is it sort of been building up slightly? Th- this, this is the first day that it sort of happened. And, and in fact, it, it may have been happening a short while before, but obviously you guys were like in the tower. Mm. But obviously now, at the start of the game, you're all stood outside the tower. You're in the Whale Song Forest. You've been discussing a little bit what you want to do. You've all sort of like noticed that the light has this strange, sort of slightly reddish hue to it. And when you look through one of the gaps in the canopy, you can see this sort of like the sun appears to like dimmed but there's like this red sort of fiery like ring around the edge of it probably only uh probably only brother lomas might have heard of it i suspect that we would be a bit ignorant to this 
Uh, I don't know if you'd have heard of it, but I mean, he's going to be obviously putting connections together with Leander and some sort of godlike event. Um, but, but presumably Lomas is is the more learned of our our throng. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the context being, of course, the, like, Friar talk. <laughs> we're, we're not... Uh, <laughs> we're not talking... He's edu yeah, educated I mean, he's like in the brightest, drink. He's the brightest star uh, on a cloudy night, isn't he? Really? Yeah, so <laughs> if, if you want someone to, like, go, like, oh, I can make you, like, a, an amazing, like, brew using these herbs yeah, yeah. and stuff like that, he's all yeah. over it. You want someone to be like... Yeah, you want someone to be like, oh, who, who can use these herbs or find a natural remedy for some ailments in the village? He's all over it. Yeah, yeah. Talk, talk about Leander, again, all over it. Astrophysics, not, not so, so much. much. <laughs> Ancient world-shattering magic? Yeah. Maybe not. You, you, say, those classes. You, you say to Brother Lomas, like, oh, make me like a banging keg of mead. He's on it. You say to him, like, yeah, oh, yeah, how, yeah. How, do, how do the planetary alignments work? He'd be like, um... <laughs> Sun comes up from there, goes down there. You work in the between. <laughs> okay, so it's over to you guys to to discuss what you're doing about the current situation. You stood outside the tower, like I said, it's a temperate day. There's a very gentle wind blowing. Over to you guys. Uh, so, how what tall are we gonna, is the yeah. golem? Sorry, just before we start, how tall is the golem? The golem's about sort of seven, eight feet tall. Okay. So that that's all I was going to say. What are we going to do about this? Golem, we can't just have this thing wandering the forest picking up people. No, I wonder. Uh, I, I was, I was concerned you was going to say that. Are you not concerned? Not so much. Not so what? Much. What if you? What was you to learn that um, one of your fellow dwarven companion companions? There seems little danger of that. They're not Humble. that stupid. I mean, if a big, big bronze man come walking towards you, you walk in the opposite direction. It seems quite, quite straightforward. But uh, admittedly, there will be simpletons that fall prey to this creature. And uh, we must you know, remember if, if it bothers you. If it bothers. Sorry, Malcolm. What was you saying? I said we must remember the creatures that are created, the damage that they cause. Yeah. I, I will say, guys, but by the time you've been having a bit of general discussion, you've been like looking at the sun and stuff like. Roughly like half an hour has passed since you've left the tower. You've seen no sign of the golem emerging from the tower since. For all you know, it still stood back in its original position where it went to after leaving the chamber, and it seemed to pay you no mind at all. Yeah, I mean, if you if if you folks have perhaps got a plan i'm happy to assist but why don't we dig it a, a hole outside the door like a pit yeah maybe put some spikes in it no i don't think i think i don't think the spikes are going to do the trick <clears throat> I think uh, spikes always do the trick in my experience uh, but if we because i don't know how agile it is i don't think it gets out oh that's it. not an agile creature there malcolm no. So Years of experience tell me that, that that bronze creation is none too agile. So if we can get it to fall into the pit. Classic rope across up. the entrance, a trip, yeah. trip it up. Mm. And then come back and cover it up and cover it in. And... 
that's a big old hole we're talking it about. It is. It is. What? What would we think our chances are of digging such a hole without the correct equipment? Well, we're not that far from the village to get the correct equipment. I've got uh, my trusty pick here, and yeah, Leo is a good man for digging the pit. Yes, don't you worry about that. I dug many a hole in my time. Uh, we shall, yeah, we shall help you get out of the hole because it will need to be quite deep. Hmm. What makes you think you won't be in the hole too, Mr. Lomas? You will be on bucket duty shoveling out the spoil whilst I loosen up the soil with my pick. Okay, so is the general consensus, guys, that you're going to like basically dig a big pit for the for the golem? I think that is our, our only and best <laughs> okay. current solution. So, so how many of you are like doing the digging, basically? I think three... And someone, the last person is kind of half listening for the golem and half looking out for other creatures that might be either coming down from the tower or approaching from outside. Okay. Basically standing at the door. Yeah. But not quite. Okay. Well, so we have the door open so we get alerted a little bit earlier. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, you can open the door. So I'm going to ask. Leopold, since you appear to be like leading the digging efforts as like a, a stalwart dwarf, yep. can you roll me a D three? A one. Okay, so with Leopold leading the efforts and with his expert dwarven skills, you know, like picking like the right place to dig and like giving you the best advice on getting like bigger stones out and whatever. It takes you ten minutes to like dig a sufficient hole with three of you all sort of pitching in and a fourth like lifting the rubble out and stuff. So at the end of that, so if you're if you're involved in the digging, just like raise your hand so I know it was like actually like Okay. I guess so. it's why Mars me are you keeping watch, what do you reckon? then I'll probably dig because I'm quite keen to see the mm. creature stop. So then if you keep watch. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So so we're basically saying it's Malcolm, Brother Lomas and Leopold digging, are yeah. we? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you at the end of this 10 minutes, you three are like at the bottom mm. of the hole. You've dug the hole. Why, Mark? You're sort of like keeping a, a bit of a lookout. So mm -hmm. I'm going to make a quick roll to see if anything appears while you're... Uh, why are you doing that? So we are in the whale song forest. Let's have a cheeky little roll that. Cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Weimar, as you're sort of digging away, you hear sort of in the distance coming over the trees and roll me a d6 to see if you're surprised. Anything but a one. You're not surprised. I will. I will likewise roll for the creature. Aha. <laughs> okay. So none of you are surprised. So as you're sort of watching, keeping an eye out, you hear like this sound of huge sort of flapping wings. So like. <laughs> 
And as you look up, you see this large shape seem to momentarily blot out the sunlight as it flies over the canopy. And you see what looks like a large, chitinous, crab-like creature. You know, the large claws, six legs, the lot. However, sprouting from the sides of its sort of armoured carapace are what appear to be like large, leathery, hairy, almost like bat-like wings. And it appears to be sort of flapping its way, not directly towards you guys, but like it sort of heading so close that it's like obviously gonna spot you. How far is it? Okay. Well, handily, I can make a roll for that. So, can you roll me 4d6, please? Okay, it is 160 feet away, give or take. I will, because uh, we've apparently now finished with the with the digging part. Yep, you have your three friends yep. are still sort of down in the hole, and you're sort yep. of like on the edge, like. Yep. Keeping uh, up. I have my grappling hook and my 50 feet of rope. Hook on the end, rope down. Get up, get up, get up. There's a flying creature coming. And I motioned like towards the tower maybe uh, to um, get inside there. Okay, yeah. yeah so that sounds like a good idea. So Weimar lowers like his grappling hook and rope down, enables you all to like quickly scramble out the hole and he's like, Does someone come in like gestures the open door of the tower, like, get in. Yeah, I'm getting straight up that rope. Okay, yeah. no problems. As you all jump into the into the doorway you're not going properly in but you're like in the doorway of the tower as you as you watch you see this crab-like bat-winged creature flying over the trees it doesn't seem to be paying particular attention to you as you watch a small sort of a small bird of the normal sort of like a chaffinch or something like that you'd expect to see in a sort of woodland it's sort of flying across the crab creature's like claw snaps out so sort of grabs this bird as it's flying past and then pretty much just like shoves it into its mouth as it's sort of flying and then it just like continues to fly past and after a few moments it's lost to sight as it sort of like flies over where you are have we seen anything like that before well actually you've seen you've seen large crabs and that's what it looks like except for the fact it's got like these like huge bat wings but you've not seen anything like that before, you like flying crabs. So it does look super like a crab. Yeah, the the whole body, the carapace, the claws, everything is a crab. And then right. it basically just looks like someone's like glued two giant bat wings onto it. Like the bat wings mm. are sort of like leathery and sort of grey and furry like bat wings would be, but just bigger. Whereas the crab is all sort of like your normal sort of armour chitinous hide. So, like, the two sort of, like, parts don't go together. It's like someone's just taken two parts of an animal and sort of glued them together and then gone. Yeah, it's like one of these mutations out of this tower type of weirdness. Yeah. This is what we need to put an end to. Oh, brother, we've dug the pit already. We've dug the pit. As you're saying that, suddenly there's a... And something very small drops out of the sky and lands just to like your right, Leopold. Oh. Onto the floor with a slightly wet thumping sound. I like look across. 
Okay, you look down and you see the small chaffinch that the, the crab creature had grabbed. However, when you look at it, it's almost like like all the fluids have been like drained out of it. It's like desiccated and like withered and like shrunken up. Oof. But like Oof. it's it's not been like eaten, but it's like someone's like stuck a straw in it and yeah, like sucked and all like, the fluids <laughs> out of it. Yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> kick yeah. it with my foot into the pit. Ugh. Yeah, you That's hoof gross. it into the pit. Again, it lands with a slightly wet, sort of feeble slap on the bottom of the pit. Oh. And did that creature, did we get any sense of where it came from? Not really, because obviously you guys are in the pit. Why um, am yeah, yeah, I just sort of like spotted it as it sort of, because obviously it's quite difficult to see the air because there's like quite a lot of tall trees. He yeah. only really spotted it as it went across a gap in the canopy. But it seemed to be coming from like maybe like the northwest. Based on the direction place. it was going in, so you know that like the Welsung Forest like continues up to the northwest. So presumably it had just come from like a different part of the forest or like yeah. much further afield. You haven't really got a way of telling. Yeah, a bit more maybe from the mountains or something. Yeah, perhaps. Mm. Uh, well, Father Lomas, like you say, perhaps this thing is better. Well, there's not much. There's not much argument. This 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 nonsense will be best put to an end. So can we um once we think this this thing's flown past, can we try and cover the pit? I don't know if this this golem thing has got any sort of sense of self survival and might try yeah. and jump it or I don't, I don't I'll know cut how. down a couple of trees. I'll cut I'll cut some young uh some young spruce or some there's, plen yeah. there's plenty of it about i mean you're in you're in sort of like a, a coniferous forest so most of the trees are fairly thin and sort of flexible so yeah there's plenty of material about to do that and you've got the tools yeah so we'll knock a few of them down and lay them over the top of the pit that should fool this this dumb dumb creature yeah so so with all the like dodging the creature finding the right trees cutting it down covering over the pit all of that probably takes like another half an hour. So you spent like an hour doing this whole thing so far. But at the end of it, you've got all these like spruces and leaves and fronds laid over as a makeshift covering to this pit. Yeah, you, like you've, a seen rope. No, you've seen no sign a of the golem yet. The door. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. What are you attaching the rope to at either end? Because obviously, presumably, you're going to fasten it to something. If we've got enough rope, I think maybe, maybe just like take it around the tower, if not drive. Um, like rake out some of the mortar out of one of the joints in the stonework and driver uh, timber peg in. Well, how, how much rope have you guys got? Um, sure, I don't know, how big? Foot. How big? Yeah, the I've tower? got fifty foot. Yeah, I've got fifty as well, but I'd, I'd like to keep it. Uh, yeah, going I, forward. I, yeah, don't bother about it. I'll just. I'll just yeah. drive in some pegs either side of the doorway, you rake think, out the mortar. You think you've probably not got enough rope to go around the whole like circumference of the tower. But yeah, so so you're planning on just like effectively hammering spikes in between in the mortar, like between the, the yeah, stones. Yeah, rake out the joints, cut some wedges in the softwood from the saplings and just drive them into the into the stone and you, then... you are a dwarf, roll me a D six, anything but a one and you are ground. Here you go. 
Okay, yeah. So you like you get out your like pick and you use, and your various tools and you like chisel away at some of the mortar enough to like hammer your spikes and run the rope round them and across the doorway. Okay. Uh, while Leo's doing that, I'm I'd like to be investigating the snow that we found scattered all over the tower. Because okay, um, yeah. we still never quite understood why mm. that was happening. Oh yeah, we were going to investigate some of the piles of snow, weren't we? Yeah. 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 Okay, um, so I presume you're just like going into one of them that's like just on the inside, you know, like near yeah. to the door. So I won't bother taking you to the map because we, we sort of like know roughly what's going on. Now you're looking sort of like slightly more closely at the snow. You notice it. It is snow, definitely. I mean, it's not difficult to identify, but you notice there's an odd sort of like slushy, like slimy sort of texture to it. Okay. But it is snow. And if I dig through it, is it all the same texture all the way through? The the, the snow that's at the bottom appears to be slightly sort of drier. And as you're looking at it, you can see that like this slimy sort of, uh, I suppose, coating, for want of a better word, on the snow is like very slowly sort of drying and almost like evaporating. Sort of like okay. as time's passing. And if I try and smell the the coating does it smell like anything yeah it's got a it's got a very sort of bilious uh, sort of smell to it almost like you know like, like stomach acid or like bile it's got like a very it's only very faint but it's definitely there i mean you really have to like sort of get get your schnoz close to it to like to smell it but it is still there if anyone's ever like witnessed someone being like not very well and being like sick you know that sort of after you've cleaned it up, you know, there's still like a sort of faint smell of it that lingers around. It's like that. Okay. And is, are all the snow piles the same? Okay. S some of them don't have the smell and they appear to like be just like normal snow. But given that you've seen that this like coating is like evaporating, it's possible they, they had it, but they've just been there longer and it's evaporated. Okay. Hmm. Can I try and light a torch and see if the coating is flammable? Okay, you light a torch. The The coating does not really appear to be flammable now. Okay. So, w obviously, with, with all the pegging in and you investigating, probably about another like 15 minutes has passed, all told. Okay. So while that 15 minutes is going on, is there anything like Brother Lomas or Weimar would like to do whilst um, Malcolm's investigating the snow and Leopold's like chiselling out mortar and hammering spikes in? Um, yeah, I was going to assist Malcolm or go and I was quite curious as well to investigate. Um, does the snow melt when you put the fire to it? I mean, does it react? Yeah, it, it does, yeah. What, what what you notice is when you put the, like, the torch like right next to it, the the sort of coating seems to sort of like burn off first, but then the snow just starts melting like normal snow. Um, and I'm, I'm going to prod around in some of these piles of snow to see if there's something sort of covered up or been hidden beneath the snow. Okay, not a problem. So you're sort of like poking around in the snow. So I'm going to ask... Can you please roll me a d6? D6. Yep. 
a free. Okay, so as you're sort of studying it, I mean, obviously you're you're more familiar with, like, say, like herbal medicine and like various common ailments. Obviously, sickness being like one of them. So as you're sort of looking at it, and you and Malcolm are sort of like pouring over it, and you're comparing notes and sort of talking back and forth between each other, you're pretty sure that like you're not 100% sure, but you think maybe this this snow has either been like digested, sort of like eaten by something, and then like thrown back up, or maybe it's been produced as part of some sort of like digestive process, and that's why the that's why there's the strange sort of sickly smell lingering over it. But obviously, after a while, the the sort of like the bile on it sort of evaporates and disappears, and then the smell goes with it. And and this is on all all the different floors, wasn't it? Well, you're out. Yeah, the, the snow was on all the different floors. Obviously, yeah. you're just looking at like piles near the door yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, and that's where the spiders were, weren't they? The, the, these large. Yeah, the, spiders. The, the spiders were sort of like a bit further in. But they were on the first floor, yeah. Yeah. We didn't meet any other creatures that would sort of... No. And obviously, you guys you guys explored all of the floors. The only place you didn't really go, because you sort of stuck your head up and went, there's nothing here, was the roof. Because obviously, you put your heads out of the hatch and you were like, it's a roof with some piles of snow. Never mind. And you carried on doing your business because you got other pressing business at the time. So do we think something else is living here then? Potentially. None of the creatures we've seen would be regurgitating the snow at this scale, right? Unless it's the golem. I mean, uh, it, it could be the golem, but you've seen no signs of it. And yeah. you, you think that, Brother Lamas, if this is, if for all intents and purposes, it's like a mechanical creature, the, these processes are clearly sort of organic, sort of digestive process. It's not possible. I mean, it's a mad mage. He could have built a golem that, like, vomits snow, but it seems a little bit unlikely given what he designed it for. And you've not seen any signs of any of the other creatures you encountered, like vomiting snow. And so on this ground floor, I haven't found anything in these piles of snow, any no. sort of remains or any sort of something being hidden. Nope. Okay. Mm. I, don't, I don't know if we've got the, the time uh, to investigate this further or, or whether... We are wasting our time. It is something that's. But we can't go anywhere till the golem comes down the stairs, right? Uh, well, we don't know how long that's going to be either. That could be days or weeks, even. Yeah, you've no idea. Okay, so while so, you guys, while you guys are having this I'd, discussion, all I was going to say is I suggest we return on our way back to town to see if you know we've been successful with our trap. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we could be waiting here for days. Okay, so whilst whilst you're suggesting that to Malcolm, Leopold's still like, why, Mar? Is there anything you want to do during that sort of like fifteen minute period? I'm stood off to the side, hand on, hand on the pommel, and I'm saying to myself, looking at the at the stellar phenomenon, is this something that you recognize? The um. The sword speaks to you, but this time it doesn't sort of speak through you like you're just hearing the voice yeah. in your head. And it says, uh, yes, it's um, it's happened before. Uh, back, um, back back in the days of the Solar Order, they believed it was a, 
a sign of a great disaster. They believed it was the it was the Lord of Light briefly turning his face away from the world because he did not want to look upon whatever disaster was to follow. I can't I can't say I really I really believe in all that myself, but um, yes, they were they were quite super for all that for all that for all that strong positive qualities. They were something of a superstitious lot. Okay, anything to watch out for? Any any curses I need to be aware of? Things not to do? Do I need to get salt? Throw it over my shoulder? Is is there anything? It's like it's like wow, you're the voice in your head saying wow. I'm not. I, I'm not sensing anything curse-like in in the vicinity. Well, that's brilliant. Uh, uh, um, can you let me know if you do? Um, yes, of course. Fantastic. Okay. Okay. Uh, that is very good information. Uh, he, he says, uh, sort of, glancing around looking for any other phenomena because we know that the that there's something going on with the sun but he, he's scanning the rest of the sky seeing if there's anything else going on okay you, you don't really notice any other phenomena besides for the fact that the due to like the obviously the sky is normally like bright blue in the day but because mm -hmm. of this like reddish tinge to light the sky now has a slightly sort of deeper almost purplish tone to it and because the light levels are lower, you can actually see like a few sort of like pinpricks of light of like the brighter stars, which normally you wouldn't see during the day. But beyond that, you don't notice anything that particularly jumps out at you. Right. Yeah. No, he's uh, he's, he's stargazing <laughs> until we uh, are finished with the. Uh, okay. So the, the fifteen minutes has passed. You've got your you your spikes pegged in. You've got your rope across them. Brother Lomas and Malcolm have been investigating the snow, obviously being careful not to like trip over the rope. The the pit's covered. Wymar's sort of like been stood to himself and sort of like looking up at the, the sky, but also keeping an eye out for anything that might appear to menace you. What do you guys want to do? Uh, do we continue our, our journey? Yeah. I think we've uh, done um, as much as is reasonable. I suggest um, we return to check on our work at a later date. Hmm. Yeah, it's on our way. I've I've got no problem with that. Oh, and just as an aside, forgive me, guys. I forgot to write this in my notes last time. What did you guys do with like that skull ring that you found in the tower? Yeah, I have it in my backpack. Okay, no problems. Didn't Malcolm actually put it on at one point? Did you? Can't remember now. Well, it's it's, it's entire it's entirely up to you. If you want to have put it on, you can do. If you don't, you don't have to have done. No, 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 not, not, not I, sure. I, I, no. I honestly can't remember from last time. So, no, I, I I'm wondering. I put. I think that I put it on and nothing happened, so I took it off, and put it in my. Well, that's possible because I know you went through that weird. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's right. You put it on and you were like, "All right, I'll wait for a bit, see if I notice anything's happened," and then you were like, "Oh, nothing's happening. Right, take it off, yeah. put it in the bag." Yeah, that's fine. I remember that. Okay. So, are you guys planning to head back to your home village of New Zealand? Are we not pushing on to the fort? Well, it's, it's, up to, it's up to you guys. I mean, how, how, how much time does it take to get back to the fort? 
Okay, let me just have a quick uh, look. So you're talking it's going to take best part of like a couple of days to get to the fort? W were we not going to the settlement first? Yes, and first, yeah. On the, on yeah, the shore. But, coast. Yeah, and it's going to take I'm you just a over a day to get to the settlement. Mm. So, and we have a mm. sage. <clears throat> so, mm -hmm. my... I guess it depends on how long we're going to be and whether it's... It escalates, or it's just... This is the level it's at. And also, just, uh, to, just to remind you guys, in case you've forgotten, because it's been a while since we, we had a last session, you did arrange to meet with the, the bandits in Fort Eastbourne in three days. Now, mm. it's going to take you two days to travel to the fort... Or just over a day to travel back to your own village. So if you got a hustle on, you probably could get back to the village and just about make it to the fort, but you'd be like pushing it. Maybe mm, let's just I'd, go to the fort then. I think yeah. we go to the fort. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't think I think we'll miss them. If we go back, we're not gonna. Well, we could go via the village still, couldn't we? Because it'll still probably take roughly two days. Am I? Well, no, the the village the village is in the opposite direction. The village is no, like, sorry, I meant the no. uh, Deerson. Oh yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Deerson is like approximately here by what you've been yeah. told. So you could sort of just sort of swing round in an arc. I'm just wondering if we could find something that maybe we could help aid Malcolm's ailments. Yeah, uh, well, let's do that. Let's go to Deerson and then we can go to the fort and meet the bandits and then see whether it escalates or it just yeah. Let's do that. Let's okay. do that. If if, if Harpy is happy with that. Would we'll do that. You estimate it's going to take like about two and a half, three days to like do the loop. So you should have time to do that, assuming like nothing happens in the interim. Obviously. Okay. okay. If, if Malcolm's not happy with that, we'll we'll do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to feel part of the team, Leo. No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so obviously you guys are going to be travelling for some part of this through the Whale Song Forest. So whoever's guiding you will need to make a roll to see if you get lost. The normal chance of losing direction in Woodland is 2 in 6, but I believe Malcolm has a special ability related to that. Yeah, so it's 2 and 12. Yep, so go for it. Anything but a 1 or a 2 and a d12? Ooh, we are lost. Okay, so... What I'm going to ask you to do now is I'm going to ask you to roll me a d6. Like, one is straight up, two is three, four, five. You, you get the idea. Okay. Okay, so, so what happens is you spend a day travelling, so you'll need to, like, deduct a ration for each of you. You spend a day travelling, but unfortunately you've you've basically gone pretty much you've gone like a bit too far south you've gone sort of south southwest rather than like southwest so you actually you realize when you sort of reach the coast and obviously you sort of like you're looking out to sea and as you sort of look across this like inlet here that i've just that i'm trying to ping you can actually see on sort of like on the other side of the inlet you can actually see this this village but you've just come a little bit too far south and like i say it's taken a day so You'll need to obviously deduct your rations. However, if you now want to follow the coast, you won't need to make a roll because you can't get lost you're following the coast. I think that's safer in uh, Malcolm's condition. He's obviously suffering somewhat. Leading <laughs> us a little ast astray. 
Yeah, well, he's, he's, he's not looking at his best. Like I say, he's got this no. sort of scaly, like, sort of skin condition. Okay, so... been messing about with that funny coloured snow. So you guys continue to follow the coast, or you'd have to make a roll to get lost. And as you're making your way along the coast, eventually you spy, spy just sort of set in a little bit near a, near a small copse of trees is what appears to be a very small village. It's like smaller than New Zealand, doesn't have the big like fortifications that you guys have built. And I'm going to share you a picture. I'm hoping you'll be able to see that shortly when it loads up. And that is a very rough approximation of what the, the village looks like. And as you're sort of approaching the sort of the, the pathway on there, it's not really like a road, it's more like a sort of dirt path. And as you're sort of walking towards it, you can see maybe eight, twelve people sort of doing the normal stuff you'd expect to see villagers doing, you know, so collecting water. You can see some of them are carrying like buckets with um, shellfish in and fish. They're obviously, obviously they're on the coast. They've obviously been taking advantage of like the bounty of the sea. Uh, but they've they've not spotted you. They've not got it's. It's obviously not quite as sort of set up as your villages. They've not got lookouts posted or anything like that. So they're all yeah. Just... That is definitely that is definitely stretching the definition of a village. <laughs> yeah. To, to be honest, it's it's more like it's more like a small hamlet. Yeah, that is proper small. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So no one's on the lookout. So no one's seen you guys sort of approaching. You see this small village. It's no more than like half a dozen buildings. Mm. Much people walking around, milling around, doing their own thing. What do you guys want to do? I'd like to uh, approach someone and see if there's anyone that may be able to, like I say, aid with um, herbs or sort of ointments or something to try and help Malcolm's condition. Okay, as you're as you're sort of approaching, you see what appears to be a young woman who's sort of like the nearest person to you as you're approaching the village, basically. And as she's sort of walking along, you can see she has like a leather satchel tucked under one arm. And she has like what looked to be like a number of like scrolls, but they're like really long. They're like about that long. We like twine around them. So like quite a, like three or four of them like under her arm and this bag under her other arm. And she's sort of bustling towards one of the buildings. As you're approaching, she sort of like, she looks up and sees you and she's like, she, she goes, oh. And she seems like a bit surprised. Like they don't really get many visitors. And then she sort of like stands there, sort of like almost like she doesn't really know what to say. Like she looks a bit awkward. May I assist you? You seem um, overladen with items. Obviously, she sees you're wearing like the recognisable monk's robes that everyone would instantly recognise, and she says, uh, "Oh, uh, oh uh, thank you, Father. Uh, if you wouldn't mind um, these uh, these supplies." And she sort of like jiggles the um, the leather pouch a bit are, are quite heavy and she's like she's trying to like pass over to you but she hasn't really got a hand for you. if you wouldn't mind uh, j just taking these and she's like pushing like the the parchments yeah, towards yeah. you uh, oh, yes I, I'd greatly appreciate it uh, you take them off her and she sort of like she, she's able to like hold the bag with like both hands and she says oh uh, we, we we don't get many people coming to uh, to a dear son uh, do you mind if I ask where you hail from, Father? And then she she sees the rest of you guys like obviously coming up behind, but then she says, "Oh, oh, and friends as well." Yes, me and my companions are from uh, New New Zealand. She she sort of like 
point. She, she looks puzzled. Down the coast. She's, she's like, oh, there's, there's another, there's another village down down the. Co- I assume you mean a village down the coast. Yes, I don't know if you know the river that runs north from the coast. I'll be honest with you, I've not been very far from Dearson. I mean, it's as you can see, it's only a, a small, recently founded settlement. So most of our efforts have gone into shoring things up here rather than exploring. Um, we did have a we did have a group of soldiers and the like who originally came over with us, and I, I know they. They pressed on to explore the rest of the island. Well, all but one of them, and um, but, but we haven't seen them since. Um, you know, they they went their own way. Um, w- w- one of their number, uh, she said, uh, Ariana. She said she was going to stay behind, and she said her uh, her days of uh, adventuring were done, and she was going to remain with the village and make sure the village was safe. But the the rest of them carried on to the island, but we've not seen them since. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're similar. We're we're trying to grow. Um, our, our small village, um, or hamlet, you may call it. Um, so yeah, we're in a similar position. Um, maybe, maybe in the future we'd be able to trade some goods or. Oh well, yes, I'm come closer I, together. I, I, I'm not really the person to speak to about that, but yes, I'm sure. I'm sure our alderman would be would be interested in that. I mean, obviously, anything we can we can do to make things easier for ourselves here and uh, make our chances of lasting longer. Uh, which one can I shoot to roll me a D4, Brother Lomas? D4, yes, indeed. That would be a one. Okay, so she she says yes. I I was just um I was just doing some painting on the coast. Uh, yeah, the the scenery around here is quite spectacular, but uh, unfortunately because of the light and she sort of gestures up at the sun, uh, it, it's been quite impossible for me to for me to carry on painting. So I'm um, I'm heading back. To, and then she stops, like mid-sentence, and you notice her eyes seem to fall onto to Malcolm, and she sort of like she she peers past you at him, and she says, uh, "Yes," and then she sort of leans round to Brother Lamb, and she says, uh, "Excuse me, sir, uh, but I, I don't I don't mean to sound forward, but uh, have you ever had your portrait painted? You have quite a you have quite a striking angular look to your features." Oh, here we go. <laughs> No, no, I never have. Well, if you, you had a close look, if you if you uh, <laughs> if you ever if you ever find the time or you have the time, I mean, it can take quite a while with these things, and and you would wish your portrait painting, I would be more than happy to do so. Huh. Perhaps another time. And um... of course, then, then she turns back to Brother Lamb and she says, "Oh, I'm I'm terribly sorry. In, in the excitement of new people, I I, I quite forgot myself." Uh, my name is a Trix. Uh, Brother Lomas. Uh, and these are my friends Malcolm, Leopold and Weimar. And she, she sort of nods at you all in greeting. Um, I was actually, my, my friend Malcolm there, you mentioned, um, I was actually looking to see if anyone would be skilled in um, herbs or um, maybe even someone from a sort of church background or something maybe able to assist she says, um, says, "Well, we, we we do have our uh, our priest, um, Aben. He's a uh, she gestures at one of these buildings, and all the buildings are like, well, let, let's let's say if Leopold was like assessing the construction quality, he would not be a happy chappy. Like they're not great. They're obviously not skilled masons or woodworkers or anything like that. And all the buildings are pretty much identical. They're all there's basically like six or seven sheds 
it's like the buildings in this um, she gestures one of these identical buildings she says uh, yes um, he, he's he's using that I mean, it, it's not much of a church I mean but like I said we're only recently settled it's the best we've been able to do so far um, we hope to we, we have to make it grander in time um, that that's one of the reasons I've been trying to do so much painting I hoped I could I could produce some work that might liven up the church and you know make it seem a, a, a brighter place um, for, for the for, for the Leander worshipping but um, uh, uh, there's been other things that have claimed my attention uh, so far but yes if, if you if you wish to see um, if you wish to see Abin I can, I can quite happily take you across and introduce you mm. well let, let, let's um, take these things back to to your uh, oh your building thank you thank the, you the wood rights of my people would make it a brighter place by putting a torch to it <laughs> she, 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 he says under his breath. <laughs> okay, right. so shonky, R- R- Romy D shonky construction. <laughs> Romy D six on a one. She hears you. That made me bust out that silence again. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> she she doesn't hear you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you head over to one of these small buildings. You see, that they're like communal buildings. It's not like one person per building. Rather like your own. Village, although this is, this is basically like the sort of diet, caffeine-free version of your village. It's all been put together with grit, Phil, and yeah, and exactly. The, uh, you get the feeling that unlike your end, village, which was lucky, that it, yeah, you, you were quite lucky with your village. You had like trained people, like carpenters and blacksmiths and whatever, as part of your like crew. Which you get the idea that like these people who came across were just like your basic sort of like peasant settlers, and they've mm-hmm. just sort of like had to make do with what like basic skills they've got i mean they, they've done the best they can blast them but like it, it's not brilliant and yeah you go across this wooden building you help her put all of her stuff in and then she she leads you to a pretty much identical wooden building say that you uh. can see sort of over the door there's like a small like wooden plaque basically it's like a bit of a plank that has like very crudely chiseled into it like the symbol of leander but it's like it's like someone's done it with like a whittling knife like out of an old plank they've found and just like and get over the door. This is painful. We need to get out of here as soon as possible. She, I was, I, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I still give the old sort of cross as I see that and enter the the little. Yeah, yeah I feel much. She, she, she does. She's a religious man. I'd be crossing myself too. She, she she knocks on the on the like the wooden door of the uh, the building, and you, in a in a sort of slightly nervous voice, she says, uh, uh, "Father Abin." Father Abin, and you hear a voice inside say, "Yes, w- what is it?" He says, "Oh, well, we we have visitors from from another settlement, uh, Father Abin. They, they they want to speak to you." the The door opens, and you see a a tall, quite severely featured man stood there, and the he's wearing like quite sort of fine like clerical robes that look very at odds with the sort of like rustic surroundings he's in effectively he's like in the clerics like sunday best robes you know all like white and sort of yellow like fabric and stuff like that he's got like a a, a silver cross hung around his neck you know like bracelets the lot C- comes walking out and he's like ah uh, oh, well it's uh it's good to see see a visitor a friendly folk uh I am Father Abin, the, uh, the I suppose the the religious head of this this village, such as it is. Uh, what what can I do for you? Um, unfortunately, we do not have a lot of time. 
um, as we're travelling north. But um, my friend has uh, come under somewhat of uh, an unfortunate illness, and I was just wondering if if you may be able to assist with some sort of soothing ointment, uh, ointment or some herbs to to maybe uh, ease his uncomfort. Hmm. He he sort of he sort of peers quite intently at you, um, Brother Lamas, and then he says, um, "What? Forgive me for asking. I know you're pressed for the time, but what order of the Church of Leander do you hail from?" Now, obviously, you you don't. You're a friar. Like clerics have orders. Friars don't. You're like from uh, a monastery. I'm a, a sort of Roma, I guess. Uh, yeah. So, um, no, I'm not from a specific order. Um, I'm from a very small settlement, um, but I, I have a strong faith. He's like to Leander. Ah, so you're not exactly a real priest then. Uh, How about the ointments then? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, well, why am I in like a sort of like blunt force diplomacy? He's like ointments, eh? I'm glad he said that. I was about to pipe up myself. <laughs> that that was entirely my intent. Is like get in there first. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to cut yeah. off the dwarf. Yeah, yeah. The clock is ticking. I need to get in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I'll see what he's I'll just point. I'll just first. point. Okay, so he says, uh, "He says, well, I don't have any ointments or things like that. I rely on, I rely on my faith in Leander rather than these, uh, these any sort of very slight sort of like sneer on like the corner of his mouth rather than these uh, witches, brews, and pagans superstitions and all of that." But he, um, he says, I'll, I'll see what Leander can tell me. And he, he, he walks over he, he walks over, and he says, which one of these? Uh... And then he sort of sees like Malcolm's face and he's like, ah. He walks over, stands facing you, so he's like opposite you, Malcolm. And he puts both of his hands on your shoulder, makes like a, a cross sign in front of you. And then he, then he takes his hands off your shoulder and holds his hands up in prayer. And he says, Leander, with your blessings, allow me to pierce through the veils of blindness and deception and perceive what ailment vexes this person your servant and as he's doing that he opens his eyes and you can see that like his eyes appear to have like rolled back into his head so you can just like see the whites of his eyes and he appears you and then he like staggers back a few paces sort of like raising a hand to his head and he says uh, he says he recovers himself like the woman rushes the artist rushes to help him and he's like no 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 I, i'm fine i'm fine just, just takes a, a toll and he sort of stands up a little bit straight and he says uh, well, I'm, I'm afraid i don't think i can help you uh my, my fucked fellow uh the the ailment that afflicts you is uh is some form of foul sorcery quite quite beyond the skills of normal medicinal herbs to to solve, uh, and uh, I'm afraid I have no truck with such devilry and witchery. Um, my my apologies, my child, but I, I I'm afraid there is little I can do for you. Uh, a, a more a more practiced priest than myself may be able to call on the blessings of Leander to purge you of these 
of this sinful enchantment that lies about you but alas I fear that uh, I am not able to do so yeah I told you Leander wouldn't have a clue well we thank you for your time and uh, we'll, we'll be on our way and trouble you no more oh no no trouble at all it is it it is the will of Leander that you have came here and I, I trust to Leander to guide me and to keep you safe on your journey Mm -hmm. Leander will guide us out the door presently. Goddamn sorcery! Like ushering people like we. <laughs> I, I imagine Leopold's like, and you're like, <laughs> pulling him out of the door. <laughs> yep, so you all sort of exit the building. A bunch of holy shit. <laughs> are you guys leaving the village or are you exploring the village more? It's up to you. Uh, I'd like to find this Ariana, uh, the adventurer who stayed behind. Okay, well, that yeah. exploration will take us all the two minutes, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't take you very long. You pretty much have to like walk between the buildings, <laughs> and uh, eventually you do. It takes about five minutes. Eventually, you come across what appears to be a a slightly older woman. She has white hair, like pulled back in quite a severe ponytail. You can see she's wearing leather armor. And she's uh, she's actually sort of like sharpening a sword with a, a whetstone as you approach. She she doesn't pay you any mind as you're approaching. She's just sort of like kneeling down, sort of like bracing this whetstone, like and you can see like a few sparks sort of coming up from the from the blade, which has got like a few like notches in it, so it's obviously been used a lot, and she's giving it the old resharpening this blade. Okay. <clears throat> so I'll just um, <clears throat> clear my throat to try and get her attention. Um, she she, 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 look, she looks up, doesn't say anything, but she looks at you. Um, uh, Ariana, I believe. Um, I'm wondering if you were a companion of Jebediah and the Delvers of the Twin Knights. She, she she sort of she seems to relax a bit when you say that, and she she smiles slightly and says, uh, "Yes, I was a uh, well. In fact, I I used to lead the uh, the, the Delvers of the Twin Knights um, company, but uh, I was I was already thinking about setting my adventuring days behind me. I'm getting a bit long in the tooth for that sort of thing. And well, when we agreed to protect these settlers as they travelled from Rohaline." When the rest of the the Twin Delvers company wanted to push on further into Valconan to explore it more, I decided to remain behind and offer what little advice and help I could to to the people of Deerson and protect them as best I could. Well, we've only had a few excursions from various animals and such like, um, which which have been no real difficulty so far. Okay. Um. Yes, we have we have come across we we bumped into your. Uh, old companions uh, northeast of here a number of days ago. Uh, oh, and uh, how how are they faring? Uh, with as you can imagine, there's given the distances and the, the lack of reliable news. We we've heard nothing of them since they left Derson. I'd um, at least like to know they're okay. That they were well when we left them. Oh, um, good, good. I'm glad to hear it. Leander, uh, praised. Indeed. <clears throat> um. Yeah, so we met Jebediah and Moss and Eliza and Simon Durand and mm -hmm. the Dwarf, who was almost as 
um, grumpy as my friend here. Um, she laughs when you say that, and she says, are, "Are you forgetting the dwarf's name, Malcolm? Did you forget the dwarf's name?" She, she laughs yes. when you say that, and she you says, "Forgot the dwarf's name." She says, yeah, yeah, "Yes, yes. Uh, McGurdy." No, no, she have... says, "McGurdy uh, is okay. something you're of an acquired taste." You're making it. Giles McGurdy. They all look the same, don't they? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring it. Yeah. Uh, and then Keep she. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. I've heard it all before. Then the white haired woman turns to look at you, Leopold, and in Dwarven. Hi. Oh. She says, And how are you finding Valcon and Master Dwarf? Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. It's interesting. I think there is much, much to be, much to be discovered. There is promise. Um, um, yes, interesting. The the uh, uh, the ancestors have have left their mark here, and uh, I'm I'm keen to I'm keen to learn more. And yeah, yeah. Um, she she, she switches back. Your, I trust you well. I trust you well yourself, and. Uh, you're finding some rest here in this village. Yep, she she switches back to calm and no doubt for the benefit of the rest of you. She says, uh, "Yes, I, I I'm doing passably well, thank you, Master Dwarf. Uh, as I say, um, I've been a I've been a soldier for many years, uh, fought in many campaigns, and it's 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 getting to the time where I'm thinking that if not of laying down my sword, at least uh, the, the the burning fires of youthfulness have dimmed slightly, and I I feel myself more ready to uh, ready to make a permanent home for myself. I think my my days of roving the wilderness uh, are behind me now, but at least I can still be useful for these people here in this village. Um, so, assuming that no one else outside the party can hear us, um. <clears throat> Oh, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Um, Ariana, I wanted to speak to you very quickly. Um, we have come across a number of secrets in our journey. I see. Um, we believe that the Ice Age was caused by wizards who fled from a terrible evil and that that evil lives beneath the ice and is coming to life uh, or thawing. She, she gets a very sort of serious, like grave sort of expression on her face. She says, "Well, obviously, I've, I've heard the ancient legends that the, the Valconian mages caused the Ice Age, but I, I've not heard any of this, th- these other things yes. you're telling me. But it is troubling indeed. It is. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so we believe that when the ice melts, that this creature that they call the Smoking Mirror uh, will rise." Um, so back into Valcomen. Um, so I um, think that you should, if you if you don't mind me asking, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, what what manner of creature is this? This smoking mirror. We are told that it is a god that is older than Leander. She, she like raises her eyebrows when you say that. Mm. Now. Their, their legends, ancient scripts, you know, the words that they use and the words that we use, they may not mean the same thing. I entirely understand, uh, but that there is often at least a, a gem of truth in these these old myths and legends. 
there is. There is. Um, so I wanted to warn you as a as a soldier and uh, with people under your protection, um, you might focus on protecting your village. Um, and also to let you know that we have started to protect our village and should the worst come to the worst and you're forced to flee, that you would be welcome to join us in New Zealand behind our walls and, and our <clears throat> we have hired a, a, a guard, a number of guards to protect us. Um, so yeah, so should the worst come to the worst, um, please know that you are welcome to seek shelter from us. As well, uh, that, that's very much appreciated. Uh, and I shall certainly speak to the Alderman of uh, Dear Son and advise him that perhaps we might wish to to redirect ourselves from focusing on more buildings to more firmly defending the area that we currently have. So, do, you, do you do you have boats? He says we have we have a few a few rowing boats. Nothing, nothing seaworthy. Nothing seaworthy. No, uh, like like many settlers, we we booked passage on another ship that brought us here, and we whilst we have fishing boats, most of our our food comes from the coast. Uh, we, we don't have any ocean going vessels. Mm. Do you know where the boats that bring people and goods to the forts? Where did they dock? Because they must dock in a deep sea port of some description. She says, uh, "Yeah, yes, of course you're right. I mean, obviously they can't, they can't actually go to the the fortresses because they're uh, inland. I believe uh, this, this is just what I've heard. I believe they dock about a about a day to the northwest of here. There's another, uh, there's a cove that they." they use with a shallow incline heading up to the shore and I believe it's the, the shortest route to the nearest fort obviously uh, Fort okay. Eastbourne and, but there's no village or hamlet or anything there it's just a cove is it? as far as I'm aware it's just a cove oh. like I say the, from what I understand the, the main benefits it have is that unlike here where you can see it's quite rocky and there's quite a steep uh, steep drop to the, the seafloor aside from a few a few small isolated paths that our fishermen used to head down there the, I believe the the cove that is used it has a very shallow incline that is easier to transport cargo up okay. using um, pack animals etc okay a very safe harbour mm -hmm. precisely Master Dwarf mm. Uh, that's okay, well, you, you'll you'll find us if it comes to it for safety, trade, merriment. Oh, in, indeed, <laughs> some it, description. It is it is our hope that once we're more firmly established, we can start, and we're we're protected here. We can then start sort of ranging out and making contact with our neighbours. But obviously, our uh, our primary concern at the moment has been make sure we've got enough buildings for us to live in, enough food to supply us, etc. Three days that away is on the coast by the river at the, at the river mouth almost Th thank you um, I shall certainly attempt to even if it is just myself I'll certainly attempt to pay a visit to your village you would be most welcome indeed indeed and we will 
come and trade information or share any information we find. Um, for we all must protect the innocents who rely on us. I could not agree more. And like, although it is unlikely, because like I said, we are not travelling widely at the moment. If we do hear anything, we we do, we do a little bit of a bit of scant trade with Fort Eastburn, many for supplies we can't get ourselves, but nothing think of major import but if we do hear anything we will of course share what what knowledge we do have with your village as you say it's it's in the best interest of all of us to make sure that we're as well protected and informed as we possibly can particularly with this this grave potential threat looming in the future that you are talking about indeed now john just to check is the uh eclipse still going or yep. So Weimar will have been keeping an eye on the sky uh, as we travel here and, and while we're here as well. Yep, not a problem. Okay, so what do you guys want to do? Yeah, Hannah's is what Weimar's like a hunter guy, yeah, hunter trapper guy. Yeah, he's his deal is sort of he was a he was a bowman in in the army, and afterwards, well. He has his bow. He has his arrows. Yeah, gonna hunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, all he yeah. can do. So he's not a pro like Harp is. Uh, uh, okay. He's he's um sort of well. It's what he does because <laughs> he has to do something, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, th that's what he ended up doing. So he he is a hunter uh, by profession, but Harp is a professional. Okay. <laughs> if that makes any sense. <laughs> So you're you're a former military man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a he's an archer that was like, well, what what can I do? I can shoot yeah. a bow. Yeah, can try shooting animals. <laughs> yeah, he's got you know transferable skills or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he's, he's retrained to enter a new marketplace. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah. he's taking like IT courses uh, currently. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> yeah, I was a hunter, but I'm retraining for cyber. Yep, a cyber yeah. hunter. <laughs> but Malcolm's a proper like elven scout. Yeah, woodsman. yeah. Like Ma Malcolm's uh, a true woodsman, whereas I'm sort of like, well, I can make do in the woods, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, woodsman by necessity. Yeah, like like yeah. Um, like what I was saying, he he was basically like, oh, I used to be a soldier. I'm no longer a soldier. What skills have I got that I can use to get by on? Well, I'm good yeah. at shooting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. Right, so um, should we uh, bid good day then uh, to our new time friend? Time is here. of the essence, I believe, yes, after yeah. our, our short yeah, delay. Yeah, I mean, what sort, of what sort of time of day are we at? Something midday-ish. Mm, yeah. Probably, Probably try and get to the fort by nightfall. Yeah, you, you do know that it's going to take like approximately a day, roughly speaking, to get to the fort. So, based on where you've been told it is, mm. a day from now. Yeah. Well, we might as well stop here then, didn't we? Um, I was just, I was just considering, would it be a safer, slightly longer route to avoid the sort of hills and the trees, and take a sort of. Yeah, I think so. A safer route, but maybe take 
just over. Well, a why day. don't we go and check Staying out the up, cove? Yeah. And then we can spend a the night there. So that looks to be kind of halfway. And then yeah, let's head up. Yeah, let's head up to the cove with our half a day. And 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 see if we can bunk down at the cove. Yeah. Camp at the cove and then strike out to the fort the following day. Yeah. Safe harbor. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and then we. Yeah, and then we've, um, you know, we've got somewhere a little bit secluded and we're still within striking distance tomorrow of the fort. Okay, so as you're heading for the cove, I'm going to ask you to make a, a sort of roll to see if you find your direction. So obviously, Malcolm, it's like you're going to fail on a 1 on a D12. Now, even if you fail, you will find it. It will just take you longer because it's like a little sheltered like cove. You're not going to get lost because you're following the coast. <laughs> Malcolm, you, you are sacked, mate. You are so sacked. You are Scales. so sacked. Yeah, we've got to, we've got to get that straight. So you're not like the professional woodsman. Mm-hmm. We've got Malcolm for that because mm-hmm. he's a proper hardcore elven mm-hmm. scout wayfinder. <laughs> okay, so it like you spend your half a day looking for this cove and you've not managed oh, to find it after half a day you're like you're pretty sure you're in the right area malcolm how hard can it be we followed the sea <laughs> it's it this this is a really secluded cove my friends <laughs> maybe this is this rumor is just not true that, that, that is, that is also a possibility. So you are guys have spent yet? you guys have spent half a day looking for it, like Leopold constantly asking if you're there yet. Are, are you guys going to carry on looking for it, or because obviously like half a day's passed, it's, it's starting to get dark now. But so Malcolm, it's halfway through won't the there day. be a load of boats there? <laughs> so it's it's getting dark, like night's starting to fall. Cause you spent half a day looking for this cove. Do you want oh, to carry on looking? Do you want to like camp, carry on looking for it, press on through the night, or do you want I to? I think we else? camp. Yeah, I suggest we camp. Okay, camp and then fort. So you all camp. Obviously, another day has passed. It'll cost you all a ration. I can't believe that Malcolm wouldn't be able to find this cove. So I'm confident it doesn't exist. Yeah, we obviously <laughs> haven't got there. To, yet. to, to be fair, than we thought. Brother Lomas has got a point. This um, Brianna, who you spoke to, was just like, "Oh, I've heard a rumor that there's a cove." No. It might it might just be a rumour. There might not actually be a cove. I'm confident it doesn't exist. It's either that or Malcolm's rubbish. Okay. I mean, what can I say? I don't know. So he wouldn't put us wrong twice, not it, two it, days in a no. row. No, it's impossible. It's impossible. It, clearly it doesn't exist. Damn rumours. Okay, oh. so you guys camp for the evening you pass a fairly uneventful night you sleep quite peacefully there's the smell of like the salt spray in the air the sound of like the gently lapping waves on the shore sort of lulling you to sleep you all take various watches nothing untoward happens during the evening and you wake up during the next day obviously the the sort of like the solar event is still in play so even as it gets to like daylight it's not full sort of shining daylight but it's noticeably got lighter I'm about that harbour we'll get to it yeah let's get to the fort anxious to see about and we should talk as we go by the way Mm. as we decamp 
Okay, what? now it's it's up to you guys just to like lay this in front of you. There's two possible routes you could take. The one that's like directly north, which is like shortest as the crow flies, will nah, take you through nah, the outskirts north. of the forest. Or nah. you could go round it. Yeah. Which there's less chance of you getting lost, but obviously it will take you longer anyway. I, I think we skirt. I think we skirt the woods. Okay, so Malcolm, well, you make, know that's just. I, I mean, that's just. I'm throwing that out there. Obviously, our our proficient guide will have. <clears throat> well, proficient. I, I'm I'm gonna be very satisfied once we find the cove in the forest, though. <laughs> okay. It's giant, so, so what do you guys want to do? <laughs> uh, Malcolm, are you leading them through the forest directly north, or are you skirting around it? I uh, know. I think we'll skirt around it. Okay, so make me another um, wayfinding roll again. It's like a one on a d12 is a failure. You're grand. <clears throat> so you skirt around the edge of the forest, and it takes most of a day to get to the fort. So as you actually arrive at Fort Eastburn, darkness is just falling. So again, you'll need to cross off a ration because effectively a day has passed. I'm going to make a quick, cheeky roll to see if. Uh, Anything untoward happens to you while you're traveling? I don't expect it will, to be perfectly honest, but you never know. No, you're fine. So, as we have traveled... Yeah, feel free to talk about whatever you wish. Mm. You've got a day. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, what, do, what do we want to do with these uh, bandits in the woods? I think we want to use them to apply pressure to the lords. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think what we want to do is try and have, yeah, put pressure on the lords so that they stop putting, they don't put pressure on us. Um, and if we can, you know, acquire some coin to help grow New Zealand at the expense of, some stuck up lords from Falcon and sure wouldn't the world be a better place. Yeah, and these guys they're set up in a whale song forest, so that's immediately between us and the forts. So if we got them on side they're like um they're like these irregulars that are lurking in the forest. <coughs> You know, we, we keep them happy. They they take care of our western boundary there, don't they? Buffer. Mm. Yeah. Plus allies that we can call on should New Zealand come under attack or should the worst come to the worst. Yeah, I mean, probably you wouldn't want to rely on them too much for that, but I reckon if you... Um, if you give them a few coin to make sure that anything going through the whale song forest in from our direction to their direction was unhindered and anything coming the other way was getting heavily taxed and um, you know yeah or anything that was coming from the cove to yeah, yeah, Forks. maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. what we what we want is the stuff coming into New Zealand and coming up the river, right? Yeah, we want people to go. Oh, wow! New Zealand's a way safer place to go. Every time we go to the forts, we get 
jumped. That's a really dodgy area. (laughs) We should go to that much safer place, New Zealand, where there's no bandits. But I won't be able to find a cove anyway, so that that's that's ruled out. So. Yeah, I mean, if Malcolm can't <laughs> find the cove, what hope has anyone else got? <laughs> you know, they've sailed all across the open oceans, and they get here, and man, no there's cove. no cove to be found. Yeah, nary a cove to be found. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So they will think that we are brigands as well because that's what i told them well him anyway in the forest so so what did you so what did you tell him uh, so I, what did weimar say what did I, you tell I, him weimar so i implied that we were also tax collection specialists uh, as they were and uh, cut from the same cloth okay uh they are as far as he was telling and i the read I got was that he was being as sincere as a man in the woods about to rob someone else could be. Um, that they were down on their luck uh, settlers that had wound up doing this instead of uh, the um, the sort of settler lifestyle that we saw in, in Dear Son. And um, that makes for a couple of following uh ideas uh well some ideas follow from that which is mm-hmm. they're desperate to a degree uh and uh, i saw a lot of this in the aftermath of of actual you know fighting uh, yep. on rolling and um that means they're willing to do quite a lot but that also means that they're quite unpredictable Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can't really, you can't nail them down uh, unless you literally do. And yeah, that's how I see it. So, with that all in mind, how do we want to play this? I think we need to find out what makes them tick. What are they after? What they've they've head out into the forest. They're clearly independent souls. Mm-hmm. Hungry. Hungry. Always cold cold mm-hmm. so those needs need to be met on the before. run scared yeah so they need some kind of security perhaps if they if if they could forge a bit of a territory of their own that they could yeah put down some roots yeah calm down a bit so if we, we if, maybe invite them to new zealand if 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 they are that way inclined in terms of putting down roots and trying to what about the 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 damaged village just the other side of the river that will take a a bunch of rebuilding i think what, what do you tell, what do you think leopold it's but they are quite a small group aren't they not they, they are but they maybe what about what about if like if we said to them um the forest to the west of the river we will not we won't make a claim to it and we would respect that the whale song forest and because we, we, we can say to them you know we want to set up some forestry and everything else but our interests lay to the east 
-hmm. and we we would um we would support your claim on the whale song forest and as much as we're able uh we would um counter any um infringement on that you know from the forts we'd stand with you um and so you could forge this territory of your own within the forest it it, it just depends if they're interested in that or not maybe they're not maybe mm-hmm. they just want to like they might want to operate in the shadow of the fort yeah really yeah because yeah. i i think i think our long-term plan has to be that goods come from Rohaline into New Zealand and are moved on from there so we can tax those goods, tax those lords and use that to put pressure on the lords because all of their stuff will have to come through New Zealand. So I don't think we give up anything on the west of the river. Right? I think what we want to do is, you know, if they're if they're keen to settle down, then I'm like, we definitely need more people. We need more people who can fight. We need more people who can shoot. Um, maybe we just maybe we just pay them. Maybe we yeah. just say, look, work for us. Do yeah. We, yeah, you carry on doing what you're doing, but yeah, because if we tell them that look, we'll pay you to make it very difficult for anybody to get goods from the cove to the fort. Yeah, right. In addition to anything that you find, right, you, yeah. we, you know, we will also pay you and, and offer you protection and stand with you should they come looking for you. Yeah. But that that, that those that 24 miles, whatever it is, from the cove to the fort is, is the only place that you should be taxing people. So what we're saying is anything that they, like, blag, any any, any scams that they're pulling, they, they pull all that still. They keep all the spoils of their their raids and whatever else. But we're just paying them to leave us alone and victimise as much as possible the other lot. Yeah, and we can also trade with them, right? Anything yeah, yeah, if they, they need anything, yeah. Yeah, you know, or if they defence anything, anything yeah, like that at all. Or you get, bang, you get banged up and you need to kind of seek some healing or whatever else or you or you just, or you've got some old guys who just can't hack it anymore and they want to come and you know yeah or yeah. when the winter gets bad yeah whatever yeah oh that that will be a whole different deal uh, yeah. at that point that will be a separate negotiation once the <laughs> winter happens because that I, I have a feeling that might be a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're old and decrepit, we'll have to renegotiate. <laughs> oh, I don't think any of us will be old when that happens. Okay. <laughs> we'll still be young and, and uh, all beautiful once that snow storm starts coming down, but Truly well, that. that that wasn't the actual snowstorm that I was referring to. I just thought, like you know, when they when the arthritis is playing up in their knee too much to be a bandit or whatever, and they wanted to kind of just oh, the the winter of your life. Are you a poet now, Leopold? <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I, I 
you know, I dabble, I dabble. I like, I like Tin Leopold's that. I knock out the old ballad or two. <laughs> Occasionally a spitfire. Keep my hand in. <laughs> yeah, I like to keep my hand in with a bit of the old poetry. <laughs> the old ballad. Yeah. You know. Gotta gotta keep yourself sharp. Sonnet here or there, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when they when their arthritis is playing up and they just want to do a bit of marching around the palisade, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's, there's there's opportunities. So we have this all planned now. What if once we go there, they pull steel on us? Well, then we yeah. put them down and we find another. Mm-hmm. Group. And if they don't pull steel on us, but they are truly reprehensible. Are we in agreement? So truly reprehensible, they're like just murderous Mm -hmm. tyrags. So my understanding of this discussion is um, I've got no real worries about the redistribution of wealth. Mm -hmm. That doesn't concern me. But I'm not keen on hiring murderers. Do our work. No, no, no. If, no sorry, yeah. if they're if they're redistribution agents, then we okay. will go into business with them. Okay. And if they're not, then we will put them out of business. No, we are talking. Give us your money, and um, be on your way. Like I say, redistribution is one thing, and I think everyone, yeah. Render on to Leander what is Leander's and etc. Yeah. 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 Well, so well, as long as there's well, no distribution among that very small narrow strip that benefits us, we well, can do business. And if they're but like if like Weimar says they're a little bit reprehensible and they're Yeah. I, I, I mean I, I didn't then. Don't want to just be employing people to uh be murdering people no, or I, no, I, we're, we're, we're we don't need assassins. No, I didn't <laughs> okay. get the impression they were psychopaths. Just, I I no, got this no. impression they're more opportunists. They they <laughs> are that to mm. sit better with me. Right. They are people. I've I think I've got them on lock. I've I've seen this before. They are quite capable of being extremely reprehensible. The worst kind of thing a person could do. That could very well be their side rack. Who knows? Um but Let's go. Let's see what we well, can perhaps, tell. You know, if we can offer them some better conditions, maybe they could soften their approach and be a little bit more forgiving. Uh, Let's give well, them a chance. The the blood comes off the blade, but not not of of a man, really. So there there's something, and I I'm fully aware of what that means coming from a person who used to be in in an army. Uh, do, you, do do you think? Do you think there's some of your fellow kind Probably. of soldiering types among their number? Probably. It's it's almost second nature once the banners come down and the pay slaps coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided to shoot deer. Uh, other people made different choices. Mm-hmm. That's a, wise, a wise choice. But um, we'll, we'll have to see. But just, just to make it clear, they might be actual monsters. Or, or they might be desperate people trying to get gruel in their bellies, mm. and uh, sometimes it's hard to tell. Well, let's let's do what we can to encourage them on the uh, 
the lighter side. Okay. Okay, so you have these discussions as the day passes. It's just getting to the end of the day when you reach Fort Eastburn. So again, that's going to cost you a ration for each of you. As you arrive there, I'm going to show you a little picture, which I'm hoping won't take too long to load. There we go. So as you approach Fort Eastburn, which is set amidst the hills just to the west of the sort of western part of the Walesong Forest, you can see it appears to be a wooden fortress with a large gatehouse surrounded by a wooden palisade wall. Through the gaps in the palisade, you can see beyond it appears to be a village of wooden buildings. Stationed, presumably, on a sort of gantry around the walls is an odd mixture of warriors. Some of them are wearing like leather armor and holding out the normal weapons you'd expect. Some of them are clad in the, the sort of furs and with slightly pallid, like, bluish tinted skin of the ice nomads and they're sort of like dotted around randomly as you approach a in the darkness obviously night's falling a loud voice rings out and says halt who goes there and at that point i'm going to suggest we have our five minute break to use mm -hmm. the conveniences etc we'll come back in five minutes and we'll carry on with you guys at fort eastburn so, back in five minutes. Oh, John. Yes, mate. Just for reference, um, Brother Lomas is under the impression that this, this, uh, what we're calling an eclipse type. Yeah. Um, he thinks that's a sign from Leander that this, you know, returning of this creature uh, from under the ice has sort of started. It's a long process, but it's like a, a warning, a sign. Yeah. But he's sort of keeping it to himself. Okay, no problems, man. He's not particularly sure that the others will understand or, you know, see eye to eye. But yeah, no worries, I'll make a note of that. He's keeping it to himself for now. Yeah, that's absolutely fine, mate. Just so you don't think he is ignoring it. No, no, it's all good. Thank you for letting me know. I've made a note of that. So what's why am I making everything that's going on at the minute? Uh, about what we've been doing lately. Uh, the whale song forest uh, seems to be a uh, 
an outpost of the old magic, which is somewhat troubling. <laughs> it's very close to us. And um, it's very interesting now to finally get to this side of uh, the map because this is where people are. Uh, we've been living uh, in the frontier where people are not. So getting into the, like the bigger settlements with actual like forts and stuff, um, very interesting because there's a lot of potential here uh, as well as, of course, super danger. <laughs> yeah. And how about uh, Malcolm? What's he making of everything that's going on at the minute? I guess it's kind of torn, um, torn between trying to get everyone to work together to fight against the smoking mirror, and also torn against his absolute distaste for uh, snobby nobles, um, and trying to uh, put pressure on them, and, and you know, <clears throat> um, so everything is kind of like an opportunity, you know, opportunity to get people to, you know. Uh, the common people kind of work together to be able to rely on each other and at the same time totally trying to shaft every single noble that he can <laughs> um, so um, so yeah so some, somewhere walking that fine line between um, revolution and protection of innocence um, and then try not to make Leander profit cracks at every opportunity <laughs> so it's not to offend too many people <clears throat> okay so what about leopold what's he making of everything that's going on at the minute mm. i think he's i think he's just kind of um viewing it like I, uh, you know, typical humans with their you know, their kind of to in and fro in wangling this and wangling that um, I think he's looking at the longer the longer game, he's just sitting back thinking, yeah uh, the ancestors he's kind of looking to the ancestors for his inspiration it's like uh probably if he if he thinks about it hard enough this has all been done before and it's the minute he gets a little bit of time to stop and think perhaps he can draw some parallels and, and get some wisdom from the the ancients uh mm. that you know, it's just like it's, 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 it's. He gets a feeling this has all been done before. It's just cyclical. Um, if the ice melts, yeah, so be it. The ice melts, we'll just go back underground, and then when it all blows over, we'll come out again, and things will be as as they were before. So he's not getting super excited about all that. Okay, taking it in his his somewhat. Uh, limited stride okay splendid so if we're all ready to jump back in as i said you're outside of the the wooden walls and the wooden gates 
of Fort Eastburn. You've heard this voice ring out from one of the the less savage-looking guards on the, the on guard on the gate, saying, "Halt! Who goes there?" <clears throat> They're just travellers in the night, looking for a place to stay. Uh, are, are you armed? Of well, that's a silly armed. question, isn't it? Are we armed? We're walking in the wilderness. Of course we're armed. Bloody idiot. Come down here and I'll show you how we're armed. Which is his way of saying, yes, we are indeed carrying weapons. He says, that that's fine. It's not against... It's not against Lord Eastburn's law to carry weapons. In a, yeah, why are you asking? Open the gate. Eastburn. Let us in. Would it be possible for be, us be, to... Because you impotent tiny whelp, it is the law of Fort Eastburn that all weapons carried inside must be peace bonded. Do you have the bonds or... Because we don't. Of course. If you'll just give us a moment, we'll open the gate. But first, what what is your business at Fort Eastburn? Quite literally business. All of a sudden. <laughs> business and and the procuring of medicine and other supplies. Very well. Give us a moment and you, he shouts down to someone obviously behind the wall that you can't see. He's like, uh, so, four travellers uh, re require peace bonds for their weapon. Open the gates. And you hear like some of the voices. Like, Open the gates. Open the Seriously, gate. are we armed? Seriously, are we armed? Th then you hear the sound of like a huge sort of like wooden crossbeam like being like pulled back. That's obviously used to bar the gate. And they get, you see, like a number of guards, like manhandling these massive gates open. They they creak loudly as they do so, and you can see there's like a few of these guards. Some of them are like obviously ice nomads. Some of them are your more traditional sort of, obviously ex Rohalene sort of guards. Uh, one of them steps forward and he says, uh, "If you don't mind, I'll need to see what weapons you're carrying so that they can be peace bonded appropriately." Certainly. Uh, I have a sword and a bow. Okay, he says you'll have to keep the bow unstrung while you're in Eastburn. That's fair enough. And then anyone who's basically got like weapon, you're like staff, brother Lamas. They're like, it, it's it's a monk with like a stick. You they're, they're not part an old man from his. Yeah, they're they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're they're not fussed about. They don't seem to regard like a walking stick as like a weapon. So and they're they're like he's obviously a friar. Like look at him. So they're not, they're not they're not bothered about it. anyone who's got weapons in scabbards, they they peace bond them. Which if anyone doesn't know, they basically tie like a cord around the top of the scabbard and around the hilt of the weapon. So you can't just like whoop your weapon out in anger. You have to like take a bit of time to like untie it. The idea is to stop people getting into an argument and just quickly being like, Wah! so you can still get your weapons out, but you just can't draw them like instantly in anger. So How about this big ass hammer. He said, the, the guard says, yes, that's a good point. You'll have to leave that at the guardhouse. No way, bruv. Then I'm afraid I can't allow you entrance into the fort, sir. Then I will stop here. This has been entrusted to me by the dwarves, my ancestors, and it will not be parting from me. I will sit here and wait as long as it takes. He, he, he sort of like looks around and he's like... And he says, of course I could write a... Uh, a special dispensation for you to carry this weapon with you if it is a if I if I were to classify it as a a, a holy relic rather than a weapon but obviously the, the writing of such a license would be a, a costly affair 
Very costly. He says, well, there's the paper to take into account, the ink, sir. How costly? Let, let us say, let us say ten gold pieces. Eight. Okay, at which point, roll me 2d6 and you can add your charisma modifier to it. Eight. Okay, he says nine. Okay, sold. Yep, you give him the nine gold pieces. And he basically takes out like a scrap of parchment and he writes, this dwarf has given him permission to carry this hammer for it is a relic of his people and he passes you this bit of parchment he says keep this on you at all times sir very wise and i should advise you that were this weapon to be were this to be used as a weapon or drawn in anger it would no longer be covered by the special dispensation rest assured rest assured this will not be wielding in anger whilst i am within the the uh, uh the confines of this fort Right. Anger does not become him. Very well, then you are all free to, to enter the fort. Uh, but it's please enjoy. Fun. I hope your stay is enjoyable and profitable at Fort Eastburn. So, so, John, do they have a procedure for a for a pistol? <laughs> oh, yeah, you've got a pistol, haven't you? Yeah. He, 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 basically, <laughs> does, he basically does the same spiel that he's just done about the yeah. hammer. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, you, you need to like, leave that in the guardhouse. However... Mm-hmm. If it were to be classified as an antique display piece rather than a weapon, it would be allowed in. But obviously, you would need a special license for it to be classed as an antique. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, part you, of my. I'm sure it won't surprise him, but you can blatantly tell this guard's like scamming money out of people to like mm-hmm. allow them to take weapons into the fort. It's so blatant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is no, today. No. What he's up to tomorrow? That's a different story. I say you could write your own. Little parchment <laughs> once we get out of earshot. So about fifteen gold for both dispensations. Bog. <laughs> he says, uh, "Make it sixteen. Okay. Yeah, and again, he takes out like another like scrap of paper, <clears throat> writes pretty much the same thing, but puts like antique mm-hmm. instead of holy relic. And mm-hmm. again, he gives you the spiel of like if it's used in anger, it'll then be classified as a weapon, which would be illegal. So." Please keep it holstered effectively while you're in mm-hmm. the fort, and keep this on you at all times. And it gives you like the special dispensation, right? And buy, uh, buy two get one free. <laughs> yeah, have we got any other <laughs> <laughs> specials coming? <laughs> like so like um, actual bulk order, bulk orders. Uh, no, as as we depart, uh, I will just declare the fruits of civilization. Let us partake. Okay, you head into Fort Eastburn. It's got all the sort of buildings you'd expect to see in a normal village. You know, there's like a, there's a church, there's a blacksmith's, all the other sort of buildings you'd expect to see in a relatively civilized area. They they actually look pretty well built, to be honest, uh, Leopold. Like someone must have like got some good craftsmen or put some serious money into getting these. But they look a lot sturdier than the the Dearson villages you see. You can see yeah, what. Although it's yeah, that wouldn't be hard, would it? Yeah, I mean it's it, it's it's no it's no impregnable dwarven fortress. Don't get me wrong, but like <laughs> for humans, like with the materials they've got, this is this is pretty decent. Yeah, it's not disrespecting the uh, the business of building. Yeah, and you, you wander in. What do you guys want to do? How late is it? It's it's probably about 
so I've said we're near the end of the day, so it's probably probably about sort of ten thirty, eleven in the evening. Okay, and we're to meet them, the the guy tomorrow, right? Uh, it was actually today you were supposed to meet him. Is this is the third day? Okay, and he said he'd meet us inside the gate or near the gate. He, he just said he'd meet you at Fort Eastburn. Okay, so I think what we want to do is we need to find somewhere to stay, uh, somewhere to put up our ponies, and then we need to kind of. I guess check the local tavern and uh, wait for our friend to contact us over beverages. Okay, yeah, it doesn't take you long to locate what passes for a tavern in this. I mean, it's a bit sort of frontier style, you know, a bit rough and ready, but it is there. And it's basically just like a big sort of barn where, where like drinks and a bit of food are being served. And then there's like another barn on the side of it, where like half of it is obviously used. There's like rails to like fasten up horses and whatnot. And then the other half is pretty much just like a communal sort of like dossing space where there's like straw down and whatever. And it's basically like, oh, you, after chatting around a bit to various people, you basically find out that you like, you basically chuck like a couple of copper pieces to like the landlord and like you can doss down in the like in the barn at the side as long as you don't cause any trouble. It's not like a a civilised like Rohelene tavern with actual rooms and whatever it is. Like I say, it's all a bit sort of frontier style. Okay. Okay, and since you're at the very end of the day, I'm going to ask Malcolm, can you please roll me a D12? Anything but a one, and you guys still here. Hey. Okay. No problem. So, as you sort of head into the main area, and like I say, it's pretty much a barn with like a bar in it. it it's nothing fancy. You can see that they're based, there's only like really one drink. It's beer. And the food is, you know, like jerky, what meats they've got. There's like a few animals wandering around and like bread. It's, and maybe a bit of cheese. It's all fairly baked. I mean, it's a lot better than like the like Pisspoor villages, like Deer Son have got. But it's still like very basic. It's not like a your traditional sort of fantasy sort of like civilized tavern. But as you're as you're sort of looking around and you're moving around, keeping an eye out uh, for your contact, Weimar, you as you're walking around from the shadows at the side of the barn, you hear a voice go, Tss! and as you look round, you can see sort of standing in the shadows. Like with his like hood pulled over, you see Enos, the man you mm-hmm. encountered previously. He's sort of like leaning against like one of the uh, one of the support beams, sort of, like in the shadows of the uh, the beam works, mm-hmm. and, he, and he gives you the old like. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're we're all about. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. So I'll uh, I'll get uh, my companion's attention and jerk my head towards. The shadows, indeed, and proceed there. Okay, that's absolutely fine. So, as everybody files off into the shadows, I like, um, I like close it off, I'll be like the the door to the shadows okay no problems and as you as you head over to 
again, the, these tables are like crude. They're pretty much like crates and barrels. You see there's like a crate serving as a table and there's a few barrels around it. It's like chairs. As you move over, you can now see sort of even like deeper in the shadows and wearing like dark clothes like with a hood pulled almost down concealing the face there's like another figure sat at the table that like enos beckons you over to he sits down at the table and he's like beckoning you over yeah over there the deep, into the deepest of shadows i wonder the dankest of shadows Okay, so you you all sit down, presumably. Obviously, you're sort of stood nearby, uh, having a quick look around. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure I'm, no I, 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 you know, I'm I'm not super good with the uh, with the chat and everything, so I'm gonna hang hang back and just make sure that there's nobody paying any um, um, unnecessary attention to what we're up to. I'm making sure everybody's minding their own business. Yeah. So, so at the moment, you don't notice anyone paying you particular attention. A few people look up as you come in. Obviously, it's like new people coming in, but they quickly like go back to what they're doing, like the chatting and the drinking and whatever. But um, no one. I'll let you know if anyone starts paying undue attention. But at the minute, you're golden. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. I don't want any. I don't want any trouble if it can be avoided. So the uh, the rest of you sort of sit down at the table. And uh, Enos sort of like looks around and he says, "Oh, good. Uh, I, 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 it's getting late. I didn't think you were going to make it. We got yeah. lost yeah. on the way." He nods and he says, "He says, yeah, yeah. Them, them woods can be tricky." Mm-hmm. He he gestures over at the the other figure on the table and he says, uh, "He says, well, th- 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 this is my boss." And the the figure pulls back the hood to reveal what appears to be a fairly striking young woman with sort of long black hair that's like shaved at the sides. She has like furs around her shoulder and uh, leather armor under this like big sort of dark cloak she's wearing. She nods at you all, and then he says, "To make your acquaintance." She smiles, but she doesn't say anything. And then he says, uh, "Yeah, so um, you you said you might have a a bit of a proposition for us as a Enos. Uh, so I've, I've I've persuaded the boss to like come here. So I bet I bet you lay it out on the table, and we see where we all stand." So he says, he says "We can't hang around here too long. We're we're not exactly like on the guest list for Fort Eastburn, if you know what I mean." And as he mm-hmm. says that, the woman just sort of like you said, like a, a bit of like a slight smirk on her face. Mm-hmm. I say, oh, I, I see you. Um, you found a way to procure certain licenses, though, to get in. At which point, the woman, in a very sort of low, like quiet voice, says, "You only require licenses if you go through the front gate." Very crafty. In any case, we have certain interests uh, both to the east as well as here. And um, all right, says Enos. While we, of course, met in the forest, forest over yonder. Yeah, yeah, that's right. 
is that to establish uh, a greater understanding of what is going uh, on with you is the whale song forest something you have a great interest in was that a but a chance encounter or is this a regular haunt Enos looks over at the woman who just nods ever so slightly and he says well given the sort of troubles we've um, we've had round here and he sort of gestures around with his thumbs mm-hmm. you uh, you might say that, that that's our current uh, base of operations right right so a proposition then uh, from us to you would be should you be amenable to it Uh, would be the hiring of your services uh, to certain ends. Now, what these ends would be would determine would, would be determined by your particular uh, proclivities, which, of course, we would need to discuss. Enos goes to open his mouth, and the, uh, the the woman like puts a hand on his arm, and he immediately falls silent. She leans forward, mm-hmm. and again, in this very low voice, obviously like, trying not to be heard by anyone else, she says. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're sort of like struggling to like pick up what she's saying, mm-hmm. Leopold, but you can just about hear it. She says, let's just say that I have a, a grievance with the, the people in charge here. Uh, with the people, do you mean the person? Or is there a multitude? Perhaps I should explain. Some time back, I was a I was a servant to Lord Moses Eastburn in this place. And at that point when I when I knew him, he was a strong, wise ruler who genuinely wished to bring the the benefits of civilization to his uh, to this place to to return to return it to something like its former glory. However, there is a and like a look of distaste comes on my face. There is a a man who serves as his advisor, a man by the name of Brannan. He is always at the side of Lord Eastburn, whispering advice and poison into his ears. And under the influence of this man, Lord Eastburn has become weak, feeble. He's, his vision has become clouded by the by the tapestry of lies that Brannan weaves around him. Now, I, I knew that as a, as a servant, there was no way that I would be able to convince the Lord that his, uh, his valued second in command did not have his best interests at heart. So I did the only thing I could. I left and I took those who did believe me with me. Since then, we have been surviving as best we could on the outskirts of the forest. It is not it is not my wish to to harm people who travel from the the secluded cove on the coast to to the fortress. However, we have liberated some goods in order to ensure our own survival, supplies, weapons, etc. that we could not get ourselves from the forest. But and that I, w- I will not lie and say there have not been times when parties have been less than willing to 
turn over their goods and things have escalated to violence but if a if a wagon train turns over their goods and what we ask for we allow them to leave it is not my intent to to slay people who who travel to Valcona. however if i can make things difficult for for lord eastburn and his chamberlain and also get my men what they need to survive then that's what i'll do john uh as i'm listening to this i will glance at malcolm and um while I'm looking at Malcolm, uh, hand on the peace-bound hilt of uh, the Sun Sword, I'm thinking as loudly, quote unquote, as I, I, I can at the sword. And what I'm thinking is, I know that you did something before where I could hear someone else's th thoughts their their thinking process if you can do that please do it now with this woman here uh, and i'm i'm looking at malcolm so that if so, if it decides to do something with my body is it's as if i'm doing something i'm talking to malcolm or whatever uh, okay so malcolm at the moment what are you thinking <laughs> ah, shit. Um, <clears throat> so what I'm thinking at the moment is two things, I guess. Um, one is is that this McCord and her people should move down to New Zealand to bulk up our support there and to not stay in the forest. And the second is that wouldn't it be a terrible thing if this Lord Brandon had his trunk slit in the middle of the night? So, um, so why might you basically hear that? But in like, Mal it's obviously Malcolm because it's in it's like his internal okay. voice. Yeah. Okay. And I'm, um, I'm, um, I'm nodding at Malcolm, and I'm thinking, okay, that's fine. The, the, I need the, the, woman. the sword's voice I, I, in a slightly exasperated voice goes, "Just look at the woman." And I, um, uh, sort of close my eyes with a final nod at Malcolm and I'll I'll turn to uh, uh, my my companion across the board okay so as you look at this woman McCord mm -hmm. you you hear in her inner voice she's basically a little bit suspicious of you guys she's like it sounds like they're they're genuinely interested but it could be a trap set by like Eastburn's Chamberlain Brannon mm -hmm. to like try and mm -hmm. lure us into the open and track trip us into a meeting yeah. here. She's like, however, you get the feeling that as Malcolm quite rightly sort of predicted and you predicted earlier on, maybe they they're getting a little bit desperate. They're a bit short mm -hmm. on supplies, so she's like, you know, we might have to take this chance, but I need to reassure myself that it's the right thing first. But also as well, she's thinking, she's like. How much should I tell them about uh, Eastburn's Chamberlain? You know, mm -hmm. am I like sort of revealing my hand too mm -hmm. much? Uh, yeah, taking too big of a risk here. And, and uh, she's, as she's sort of thinking about it again, not in words this time, but almost like images in her mind. You get, you get like an image, like a, a sort of split image of this sort of like 
quite stern sort of like bearded looking like muscular man sort of like sitting on a throne and like people are around him and he's talking to them like benevolently and sort of whatever and he's obviously decked out in the trappings of like rulership mm-hmm. and then it like smash cuts to in the sort of Lord of the Rings style like a, like a feeble right. old man with like an overgrown beard sort of like in a chair sort of and standing next to him is a is a very pale man with like some like extreme like mink fur around his shoulder mm-hmm. and a robe on and he's he's sort of like leaning next to him and he's he's like basically whispering in his ear mm-hmm. greasy ass black hair yeah. and well no it's it's more sort of like a sort of like silvery sort of like grayish sort of hair but as he's like obviously you know this isn't like fact where you're sort of seeing like her image of him sort mm-hmm. of like in a yeah. visual way as he's talking to him you see like this black vapor like waft out of his mouth and mm-hmm. into like the ear of the of the now feeble lord who's like yeah so um uh as as quickly as i can after like getting all all this i'll i'll just ping uh the right hand man as well just to just to check him if if the sword is still on board uh, okay so eos is basically thinking like Oh shit! I hope I've not like made a mistake organizing this yeah. meeting. It's like if yeah. this goes pear shape, I know who the boss is going to blame for this because I've arranged <laughs> yeah. it all. It's, it's going to be my ears. Yeah, he's like, oh, it's going to be like my ass on the line if like this all goes pear shape. So, so he's like, he, he keeps like glancing over at his boss, and he's like, oh, it seems to be going all right, you know. But he's like, he's mentally like keeping his fingers mm-hmm. crossed because he doesn't want because you're just some people he met in the forest, and he's persuaded yeah. his boss to come and meet you in, in, in the, a haunted in, forest. Yeah. <laughs> and he's persuaded his boss to come to this place. So effectively, she's like a wanted person mm-hmm. on the yeah. strength of like his persuasion. So he's like, oh, if it all goes Pete Tong, like I'm, I'm going to get the blame for it. That's yeah. what, and he's mainly worried at the minute. All right. So I'll, I'll uh, just think like, thank you so much. And this is extremely strange. That's, that's I'll, fine. I'll let go of the, the, the handle. Yeah. And um, the, the sort of, inner voices fade away. Well, I I know, of course, my own sentiments towards what you have just said, and thank you very much for sharing this. I, I know, at least I think I know, uh, what my companion here would say. Uh, I'll like sort of jerk my head at uh, Malcolm. And I think I speak for all of us, indicate um, Lomas as well, and uh, Leopold in the back. Uh, and I'll I'll take a, I'll take a. Uh, what, what do we have to carry our? It's probably like leather bags, like small leather. Uh, yeah, it would be like bags. pouches. Yeah, yeah, for for our money. So I'll I'll take uh, one of mine because I have two, and. Um, I'll uh, I'll put it on the table. It's it's tied with a leather string, and I'll just like push it forward, and it, it clinks. Uh, and there's um, uh, there's a hundred silver pieces inside. You see her eyebrows raise, and uh, I'll I'll just say that uh, consider that uh, a good faith gesture uh, towards the cause. Her eyes narrow in sort of like suspicion. And she says, mm. now, tell me, why would a group of people that I've I've barely met and hardly know offer me, come here to this place of my enemy 
and offer me a a bag of silver pieces, one hundred, as you say, with seemingly no strings attached to it. Well, that's to convince you to stick around and talk for what comes next. So that 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 is yours for talking to us. She nods and then says, "Very well. I will. I will listen to what you have to say. But I suggest we do not stay here to do it. Every moment mm-hmm. I am here, I am at risk. We need to. We need to make ourselves scarce. We have a a small encampment, only ten or so miles away from here, just within the outskirts of the forest. I suggest we adjourn there." And there we can have a discussion without uh, so many prying guys. I'll I'll give a small nod to Malcolm and, and Lomas. I probably, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll give the like. Yeah, we we should do this. <laughs> I'm gonna just quickly whisper to that Enos as I assume we're standing up. Do they have beer at this camp? He, he, he sort of um, he's still a little bit nervous but he sort of like chuckles under his breath and says uh, yes we, 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 we've liberated some drinks from some other wagon trains excellent let's make a move at, at which point uh, McCord says uh, it's fine just like to the air like not to any of you he says it's fine we're going to we're going to head back to the encampment and as she says that two people that like you've not seen at all who are like hiding behind like the nearby pillars just sort of like wearing cloaks similar to hers just sort of like emerge from behind these pillars and sort of converge on where she is at which point McCord says I suggest you make your way out of the settlement and make your way around to the southeastern side of the wall we, we will meet you there we'll be there with point, peace bonds on she smiles a little at which point they they sort of she says we will head off first I suggest you wait at least 10 minutes if you have not had any sounds of alarms raised then make your way out through the gate make whatever excuses your business is resolved whatever you see fit mm-hmm. and then we will meet by the southeast side of the wall and we'll make our way to the incumbent you shall do that so uh, her and her cohorts get up and they head out of the door of the this sort of barn like tavern that you're in mm-hmm. so uh, and I'll I'll just like quickly um, uh, sort of motion for everyone to huddle up and uh, we'll, we'll order food whatever's on the menu probably mm-hmm. some kind of you know the the eternal stew that they have yeah <laughs> and uh, uh, we'll get bowls of that and uh, uh, get get a get a meal uh, while we wait yeah don't worry about the cost that'll be a few coppers yeah as the as the meat comes over it smells like it's very highly sort of like spiced and like there's a lot of herbs in this stew and whatever and you expect that like the meat's probably like a bit past its best they've just like piled the spices and the herbs in to like disguise the slightly sort of rotten taste of the meat is it curry yeah pretty much (laughs) it's pretty it's pretty much like someone's got meat that's a bit like so like three weeks past its sell-by date, and they're like, "Oh, this smells a bit rough." Ah, uh, chocolate, chocolate curry powder, and like thyme That's and parsley, it, and it'll be fine. Well, that, that was the origin of, of that, that stuff, exactly. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's rat, oh. isn't it? 
When Weimar said we're going to get into a huddle, I thought it was going to be like one, two, three, New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> team, team, Zealand. <laughs> Go team settlement. <laughs> no, uh, we'll like get everyone together. We, we'll get the table and uh, get the food going, so we have a reason to be here. Uh, and um, uh, I'll, I'll like lay out the facts for Leopold because he was uh, a bit further away. Yeah, and um, I'll, I'll mention that. Mm, yeah, I, I, I got the gist of it. I was listening mm. in. I was listening in. Right, good. Sounds quite promising. It, it does. It's well, honestly, I. No one could have predicted this, no. and this is a stroke of luck mm. <laughs> that I. As you say, stroke mm. of luck. Can you please mm-hmm. roll me a d six, Weimar? Anything but a one, and there are no sounds of alarm as the. As your new allies, perhaps, are leaving. Come on. Praise Gale. There we go. Okay, yeah. So you, you pass like the 10 minutes chatting, catching Leopold up, eating your like, your, your rancid curry. Slop. Dr- drinking <laughs> some of this, like, it, it's just like your bog standard, like, beer. It's fine, but mm-hmm. there's nothing particularly, like, special about it. Uh, yeah. yeah, so you pass like 10 minutes, there's no sound of like outcry or like guards being called or anything like that. That was quite a tense moment. Uh, why am I not rolling a one? That was, yeah, the, the, that, that only was happens during go. the eclipse, so enjoy it. While... <laughs> <laughs> that was touch and go there for a minute, man. It's I am one with the curse now, so it's fine, but once <laughs> once it passes, then we'll back to normality. But so I um, Art was in my mouth. I... <laughs> I think uh, we have a chance here because these people will have uh, a a scope of knowledge that we could only dream of uh, when it comes to the fort. If what she says is what I think it is, it's a lot of the staff went with her as well. That's going to be a big deal here. So I think let's try and make friends as best we can. Yeah, we we definitely want to get these folks on board. So yeah. we want them to continue to operate up by uh, the fort. I, I I think we want them in Rather New Zealand. Come. Yeah, I think oh, yeah. we. Yeah, yeah, I think I'll... we want them there. They they will, they're they're fort servants. The forest is gonna kill them. So. Oh yeah, but you still want them to operate. On these. I don't think no, so. I think, so. I think we I just want to so. go given nah. up on that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just, just settle them there. And okay. uh, if if we need brigandry, we'll hire someone else to do it, not chambermaids and bottlers. Mm. <laughs> Though, g- given all the things, um, they were prepared to uh, put us down here. So that does speak to something. How many warriors can they have? Well, mm. let's go find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I say I, I, I'm in favour of the bring them in, bring them into the into the fold. Promise them the the, the security and Ooh. the fairness of a yeah. more. Um, More freedom, more freedom to, to, to kind of like pursue their 
their, their goals, their, their own personal goals without the yoke of oppression that you get from these these noble types with their yeah, and, chamberlains and, and... And the dark sorcerers in the court mm, yes. that, we, that, that we need to deal with. <laughs> yes, <laughs> dark dankness. I feel like that, that was very important in this story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Right, let's uh, let's let's get going. Okay, so you guys make your way out to the front gate of the fort. Obviously, you've no problems going out because they're like, they're not going to tax you when you're leaving the fort. Can we get, can we get a refund on that on the way out? <laughs> no, no yeah. what? Yeah, we the, can, but you might is, not like our methods. This you, is under two hours, like of. Your, your peace bonds are like taken off by the guards, but there's no offer of a refund is made. Unless you wish to press the issue, of course. Yeah. I feel that's probably the others to. Uh, to I've marked his card. But... I've marked that geezer's card. Yeah, it's it's probably like we could get a refund, but that would cost us. So, <laughs> um, I'm not going to draw. I'm not going to draw attention to myself. I, he's a mark. I've duly noted the tax. The yeah. tax is duly noted. I don't think they will be able to draft you a document that uh, satisfies the fact that you commit murder for religious reasons. I don't think that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we'll, we're better off just going. Keep that for f- future, though. We'll be able to use that again. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we already have the documents now that we come in and say, oh, I have my gun license. So mm-hmm. Okay, so you all make your way around to like, the the southeast sort of like side of the, the wall for the uh, fortress. And as you get there, you see the the two sort of henchmen, Eos and McCord, all sat there on horses, sort of seemingly waiting for you. McCord like nods as you approach. And she, again, in this very soft voice, she says, "Our our temporary encampment is twelve miles, give or take, away from here." And I've indicated that on the the map for you. It is. Yeah. Well then, if there's a if there's nothing further delaying us, I suggest we we head off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Splendid. I don't want the. Uh, I don't know how much time we have before the uh, the owner of these horses realizes that they're missing. And they sort of start like, obviously like very sort of slowly, just like trotting off. So you guys are on like foot, so mm-hmm. they're sort of like they're not galloping away because they'd leave you in the dust. So they're sort of just trotting away slowly, and they lead you once more back into the outskirts of the Whale Song Forest. And like I say, after about twelve miles of travel. Heading through the forest, they seem to sort of not know where they're going. Obviously, you're following them, so you don't have to make any roll. You arrive at what appears to be a very small clearing that's obviously been like made fairly recently. Uh, you've basically arrived at what appears to be a small woodland encampment. There's like high tents. There's like evidence of like a couple of campfires going. Uh, like I say, it's only a temporary sort of encampment, so it's like it's quite makeshift. It's there's no permanent buildings. It looks as though it's been like made so that like if they needed to, they could like basically like ditch it or like pack it all up very quickly. And as you approach, you can see there's maybe 
six men sort of sat around in the clearing you can see there's like a few sort of like wooden crates and various other bits and pieces that they've obviously like liberated from people and there there's a few people sort of like lifting up odd items on like bric-a-brac nothing of terrible imports like talking about it you see that most of them have a, a bow nearby a few of them have swords some of them have daggers it's a bit of a sort of mishmash of weaponry but they all at least have a bow as they as your your sort of like guides get their mccord and her men sort of swing down from their horses and just like tether them up to a nearby tree trunk and they they walk back into the camp McCord looks at one of the the men who sat around. She's like, "Go and fetch the uh, the barrel that we we liberated from that caravan the other week. Yeah, we, we have guests." At which point, this guy goes into a tent and he comes back out, like rolling this barrel out, like along the ground. And he sort of like gets someone else to help him, like write it. And he he comes out with basically what looked to be. Like, almost like they've just been like hand whittled sort of like just little simple like wooden cups that they've mm -hmm. presumably made themselves from like the wood that's around and there's like a load of them are just like plonked down in the middle and McCord and all of her people sort of like start sitting down like on the floor like around this campfire there's no like real chairs or permanent furniture and she just like indicates a space on the ground on like the other side of this campfire which is crackling away as like the darkness is falling and she says please said we should be we should be safe here for the moment to, to have our discussion yeah yeah plunk my ass down and uh uh we we probably have some kit um well actually no i only have a water skin i suppose i'll uh i'll <laughs> start with that that's absolutely fine as, as you're all sort of settling down and getting yourself settled in uh one of the the bandits comes over like cracks open this uh this crate just sort of like hacks the like cork with a sword and like pops it off and uh pulls the the like the top of the barrel off basically and people are just sort of like dipping their cups in it mm -hmm. it's uh it's it's a pretty reasonable but sort of like thickish beer almost like a sort of like a guinness or some other sort of stout like a dark beer rather than the sort of like the watery stuff that you've been drinking at fort eastburn and McCord says, "Please, uh, help yourselves to a to a drink, and then then we'll discuss." I'll uh, I'll grab hold of one of these like these um, cookser type um, drinking implements, and I'll be examining the craftsmanship before wading into some of that brew. Yeah, the 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 cups have been fairly well whittled. I mean, obviously, some someone's like not a professional like carpenter but they've been, they've been fairly nicely done someone's obviously spent some time over it you dip it in and you've got this like this very sort of like almost like thick dark sort of stout you know like it, it, it's that whole sort of thing of it like it's like a meal and a drink that sort of vibe you know yeah yeah perfect uh, as you're sort of walking over can i just ask you, you know when you're carrying um you know when you're carrying misery's end your hammer yeah like yeah. How, how do you carry it on your person like where is it is it just like on your belt or like I reckon. Um, I reckon most of the time I just got it in my hand. Okay. Um, but when it's not in my hand, that's a good question. 
It'd be super, super annoying on your belt, wouldn't it? So yeah, banging against your leg all the time. Yeah, it'd be like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I don't think I'll stow it. I think it's in my hand. If I had to stow it, I'd probably drop my pack. You know, if I if I needed my hand, I would I would drop my pack and and and, and lash it to my pack. But that that's a that is a rare that, that is, is a rare absolutely thing. fine. So as you're sort of walking over, you're walking past McCord to like go and get your stout. She sort of like you see that she obviously like clocks that this hammer and obviously it's a finely like crafted like yeah, ancestral yeah, yeah. like frost dwarf warhammer so it's like distinctive she mm-hmm. uh she sort of looks at it and then as you sit down with like your mug and your telecast will give you your stab she, mm-hmm. she sort of leans over to you and in a voice says i don't suppose you'd be interested in selling that <laughs> and sort of like nods uh, at the hammer um no 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 um i, I don't wish to offend you but um I'd rather chew off my right bollock. She says, well, I was, uh, I, I wasn't expecting you to provide uh, after drinks entertainment. But... <laughs> I know, I'll just wink, I'll just like wink. <laughs> she, 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 she smiles, <laughs> at which point she, um, she, she says, um, in which case, I, that's fine. If you do not wish to sell it, I understand. And no, I suppose, no, I don't suppose I you. I suppose you can sit in the spirit of this new like Frenchman. I don't suppose you consider doing me a small favour. I'm sorry. What was your name again? I am Leopold Stavish at your service. Of course, I, I jest with some uh, r- ribaldry. Um, this, this is uh, an important heirloom to my people. And... She, she says that that's fine. I, I live in a forest with twelve wanted men. I, I'm I'm used to the humour. She. At which point she she leans over to one of the men who's like next to her and she like whispers something to him. He he goes into a tent, comes out, and he's carrying like a warhammer. And she, he passes it to her. At which point she sort of like leans over, sort of holding it out to you. And she says, oh, right. she says I don't suppose you'd uh, you'd do me a small favour and tell me what you make of this, uh, oh. Mister Stavish. Yeah, yeah, I can. Oh, yeah, I'll certainly uh, take a look for you and see uh, see what I can divine. Okay, so Does it look, Pucker. Yeah, you you have a look at this um, Warhammer, and it's clearly of like dwarvish manufacture. Like it's got like dwarven runes, like not like magical runes, but it's got like mm-hmm. dwarven runes and stuff like you know dwarves. They like like to write things on everything. Everything's mm-hmm. got a legend to it, so they're always like writing things in their their own runic language. Um, so. As you're sort of looking at it, can you roll me a d6, please? Okay. So, as you're looking at it, you see it's very finely made. Not as finely made as yours. And mm-hmm. it doesn't have all the like sort of embellishments, because yours is like an ancestral <laughs> relic. Whereas her, hers is like, very fine, like more than you'd expect, like a normal dwarven warhammer. It's got more carvings and more sort of like engravings on the the handle and whatever than you'd expect. Seems like a normal, like we've made a hammer to fight things with. But um, yeah, it looks it looks pucker, and like I say, it's obviously of dwarvish manufacture. Yeah, so it's just, this is a fine this is a fine dwarven made hammer. I feel like. Um, it's more to the tale, but perhaps um, it's beyond it's beyond my experience. 
I, th- I think you have something special here. She, she says, the, uh, uh, well, I'm sure we'll get around to it, but perhaps when my myself and your friends are discussing the the Chamberlain of Eastburn, you will remind me of your interest in this hammer and perhaps I can tell you its story. As much as I know, at least. Mm. I'm intrigued as to what, why you... Uh... Why you stay in this area? We we come from the west, and there would be you'd be I, I, welcome I think there. You mean, I think you mean the east. East, sorry, yeah, the east. The other west. The other <laughs> west. Um, he says, "Well, I'm I'm sure I'm sure that will be revealed as we have our discussion." And then obviously the rest of you guys have sat down and got your drinks and whatever. And she she turns to the she sort of smiles at you, Leopold. Turns to the rest of them and says, "So." let us discuss he sort of holds our hands out what is it you wish from us you've your and she she sort of like takes out the pouch of coins you give it and passes it to one of her men who sort of like is like (laughs) like, oh you just like randomly pass me a pouch of like a serious amount of coins he Mm -hmm. looks a bit surprised but he like takes it away to one of the tents says so your your generous offer has, has got our attention and our goodwill for the moment. What is it exactly that you want from us? I'm not gullible enough to believe that you are simply traveling around giving away money to people. No, in fact, money is somewhat hard to come by, but we aim to make it more available in these parts as well. We would like to offer you a place away from the forest to live, make a living, eat, and be safe. There is a settlement to the east that my friend here already referenced, and uh, we call it New Seal Land. You might have heard of it, maybe not. She nods. And are you suggesting that we settle down in your in your new seal land? We would offer this to you. We would invite you to stay there and get away from this, which is clearly not what he wanted out of your life here. At which point she she sort of holds up a hand and then she says, uh, let me, let me just, before you go any further, Mm. and it's not because I'm not interested, but let me explain something. Although I am the leader of this band, I do not wish to set myself up as a, as a lord, as those in Fort Eastburn do. Any decisions we make here, we, we make together. And as she's saying that, she, uh, she sort of like, she, like, puts her fingers in her mouth and like whistles and you see like another sort of six people who've obviously been like on watch sort of mm-hmm. like emerge into the clearing raising the number to like an even dozen of people plus Eos and her and she says uh, in, a, in a sort of louder voice she says these guests have a proposal for us uh, I have suggested that they put it to you and then we'll make a decision so probably she, at that point Leopold jumps up he he put, he's probably a bit startled at that. He jumps up and he's like, whoa. <laughs> you, 
she, she looking see, around. She sees you do that, and again, in like a low voice, she says, uh, those of us who are not adept at hiding ourselves don't tend to last long, Mr. Stavish. And then she turns to Weimar and says, please make your proposal to, to my men, and then we will decide between us what is to be done. <clears throat> oh, boy, I'll put down my water skin. I'll, I'll get up uh, from where I was seated, and I'll just sort of spread my, my hands a bit and say, uh, my friends, I am sorry, but I do not have a similar pouch to give to each one of you. So the one will have to do for now. You hear someone at the back go, that's all right, I reckon we can do all right on 100 silver pieces for a while. <laughs> that's good thinking. We come from a settlement to the east called New Zealand. And we are, well, uh, I suppose, making our own way uh, along with the rest of uh, the village, the settlement. Uh, we have a palisade. We have arranged for the services of uh, a watch, a militia of a, of a sort. We are expanding into trades as we can we are making preparations for the coming seasons and having heard your story which it, it sounds uh, quite harsh on, on yourselves and also for no other reason than uh, it is the decent thing to do. We would like for you to have a place away from the forest, away from sleeping on floors and, and the underbrush and the snow, and to have a chance to make something of this life here that we all now live, uh, away from the darkness of the fort, which we have also been told of, and the danger that it poses to you whilst you linger here and also the danger of the forest which you are probably more familiar with than I am because uh, we come from the east the forest is no place for people to live and eventually I do not say this to demean you but it will kill you it would kill any of us uh, and we would like to give you a chance to avoid that fate uh, and we would invite you to New Zealand, and we would uh, be your neighbours. And we can still sort out Brandon. And we, we can deal with the fort as as we can with due time. Okay, so yeah, you, you lay this all out to this like assembled group of bandits. Can you please roll me 2d6? You can add your charisma modifier and an additional plus one. Yeah, the plus one will come in handy. <laughs> Uh, yep. Plus, plus one, so. Uh, no, no. Weren't it supposed to it be? It was 2d6, 2D6 mate. Oh, 2d6? Oh, yeah, yeah sorry. I, I was just like, oh, charisma check. A reprieve. <laughs> a reprieve. That's, that's yeah. all right. Uh, that's, the, uh, that's the old uh, curse demo, there. Demo cubes. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the eclipse. Bones. Yeah. The eclipse. There so you go. go. Nine. Nine. Okay. 
so she she looks at the the assembled bandit Grand McCord says so what do you what do you say and as she says that she like draws like a small dagger from a like a little sheath like on a belt and you watch as like all of the bandits like draw like little knives basically and as you watch out of the out of the dozen seven of them like throw their daggers into the ground so they stick in the ground the remaining of them just put them back in their sheath at which point she she nods at them all and the ones who throw them into the ground like pick up their daggers and like resheath them and she says while it appears you have... Leopold's having a super bad day at this point what? Says, it, it appears... What's with all the knives, man? Just put your weapons away. <laughs> she, she, McCord leans over to you and she says, uh, it's simply a way of showing uh, whether you are in favour, if you are, you throw your knife into the ground, or whether you are not in favour, in which case you resheathe it. It appears... I, she... I was a little bit worried there for a while because... I my skill is with the bow, and it would have been a terrible show if you had actually used those knives. Uh, <laughs> she, I'm, she I'm glad of the result, whatever it is. She says you you seem to have persuaded uh, my men. However, we we cannot settle permanently in your your settlement. However, we do need a a place to resupply. As you said, we have people who have become ill. We we would, on occasion, welcome a, a a bed of straw rather than the the hard earth of the the wild song forest. Might I suggest a compromise that we perhaps use your your settlement as a as a launching point for our operations? Obviously, while we are we are within your settlement, we would of course aid with any defence of it and help in any way we possibly could but we still have our our business with the fort to deal with which would mean we would not be there all the time would that be acceptable to you i'll i'll glance at the rest of us oh I'll just I, nod back hmm. I, I i um i i i feel happier that we've made the offer and these folk are uh, are able to uh, benefit and and still retain their their independence. I can respect that. Very well. Then, in which case, it is settled. And she looks at, around at all of her people, and they sort of nod, and she says, "Well, are there are there any questions you wish to ask me?" Once. The business with the fort is concluded. What is your plan? It is my hope that once Rannan can be dealt with, that Lord Eastburn would return to something resembling his former glory. And once he had he had seen the the poison that had been poured into his ear, we would be able to return to the fort. But how long it would take to to unseat Bran and I, I don't know at which point she leans she leans next to to Eos who's sat on one side of her and she says uh, go, go and get the stone we should show them at which point he goes into a tent and he comes out with like 
a block of stone, like you know, like someone's taken a stone from a building, mm-hmm. and he puts it down sort of like in the middle of you guys, so you can all see it. And on the top of the stone, you can see sort of like carved into it is the word traitor, but it's not like carved into it. Like you can't like you're looking at it, Leopold, and you're you're finding it really curious. You can't see any like chisel or tool marks that you'd expect to see if someone had like carved into stone. It's almost like someone just like got a pen and wrote it but like into the stone and she says when I was uh, escaping from Fort Eastburn I was confronted by Brannon and some of his his inner circle he caught he shouted and denounced me as a as a traitor to Lord Eastburn as his justification for the no doubt unpleasant fate he had planned for me. This stone that you see here happened to be beside me as he denounced me, and as he spoke the word traitor, the word appeared on the stone. I don't know exactly what it means, but I know it means something, so when we escaped, I took it with me. They say... They say Brannon takes strange journeys into the the mountains at the centre of the the Whale Song Forest, and that he he speaks to spirits there. And she says, "I have." He also has a a creature with him. I've seen it, and Eos has seen it with his own eyes. Eos nods. It is a it is a beast, rather. I like to a wolf that one might see in any of the forests of Valconan, but it has a strange hide and its its fangs cut through through metal, steel, wood, as though they were nothing. And although it resembles a savage beast. It is never far from Brannon's side. How often does it go into the mountains? It, it varies. I, I have known him to go two or three times in a month. Other times he does not go at all. If he, if, we, if we could work out his, his schedule, then we, we would have dealt with him by now. I say we take that stone and crack it on Brandon's head. My friend here is a poet and has a flair for the uh, poetic justice. Mm. That would make a fine song to sing. The song of cracking the stone on Brandon's head. The traitor stone. I will call it the song of the traitor stone. McCord sort of like takes out a a pipe and thumbs some tobacco into it and has a (laughs) As a drag of any, she says, uh, uh, I, "I would very, I would very much enjoy cracking this over, over Brandon." Said, after all, he has, he has cost me my home, such as it is on Valconan. He has, he has caused many people to believe me a traitor to the, the Lord I served loyally. And before we even came here, mm. my song will be a hit. <laughs> I, I do not I do not know what devilry Brannon is involved in, but 
if we can find a way to end it stone or no then that is what i will do it it is my my hope that by preying on the on the merchants that travel from the the cove to the fortress mm. that we would inconvenience them to such a point that eventually Brannon himself will be lured out of the fortress. Mm. And once he is away from the safety of the fortress and all of the guards, we could then perhaps deal with him in a more permanent fashion. He's definitely up to no good. He's up to no good. She, she nods and looks at you, Leopold, and looks around at the rest of you and says, I, I'm not a brigand or a, or a murderer, but mark my words, there is some devilry afoot with the with the seneschal of the fortress I do not know precisely what for I have no skill in that regard nor would I wish to have but there is something unnatural about the man did he come here with the lord? yes but he was he was not he was not the same when he came here he was a he was a minor figure he, he was not yet the, the main advisor to the lord he was a he was a minor figure, uh, I don't know, some sort of third son of a, a minor noble house or something similar. I, I don't know the exact details, but um, he, he was a normal man. And then over time, he he changed and he seemed to gain more influence over the Lord. Until now, Brannon's voice is the only one that the Lord hears. And what about this creature? He's this this beast that he he he. Goes about with this 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 hairy beast. When when did this come on the scene? She says, uh, I, "I do not know when he when he obtained it, but perhaps Eos can tell you more about that." And she she looks mm. to Eos. He nods and he he so he looks a bit uncomfortable, but he like he like pulls back his sleeve, and you can see he's got some like old wounds from like a deep bite mark on his arm. And he says, uh, "He says, I, I don't know what don't know what manner of." foul devil sent beast it is but uh, uh, we, we barely managed to escape I mean I, I fear if uh, if McCord hadn't helped me out then it, it would have taken my arm clean off it's uh, it, it was lucky I, I had a fever for many days afterwards from the injury it was lucky I survived at all uh, yeah, but the only thing I can really tell you about it other than it's uh, its appearance and its power, which McCord has pretty much told you already, is that I heard Brannon call to it and uh, order it to attack, and he called it by the name Kalak. Well, there's certainly something extraordinary in the mountains for him to, whatever he does there, for him to abandon the very seat of his power, which is the fort, uh, and all the safety therein, he's yeah, going the right out into the. Yeah. So he's attending something more important than the fort and the yeah. guards and the lord in the mountains. We need so to that's... follow him when he comes out. We need to follow him and find out what he's up to. At which point, McCord says, "There is one other thing I should tell you about Brannon. When we were fleeing from the fort." my my first thought was to to put an end to Brannon as we left so I and she sort of reaches down and like picks up one of these bows that's like lying on the floor and she says I am a good shot with a, a bow I'm practiced I've spent many many years hunting and I fired an arrow 
directly at Brandon's heart. And I tell you true, the, the shot was true. However, at the last moment when it would have pierced his black heart, the arrow seemed to turn as though possessed of a life of its own away from him and struck the floor rather than his chest. Sorcery. <clears throat> um, should we examine the mountains to see if we can find where he goes if we don't know when he's going to leave? I, I think his power is hidden in the mountains and that mm. is where where you need to search as, mm. and probably before the two of them join as you know together they could be a force to be reckoned with maybe uh, divide and conquer she, she nods says I, I have considered this uh, but uh, we are we are barely able there, there are only 14 of us in all including myself and Eos we were barely able to escape from Brannon what chance would we have against uh, something that is potentially mightier than him but you would have us uh, perhaps you need not concern yourself with it perhaps this is perhaps you you pull back now and take some rest let us look into this matter let myself and my companions we 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 meet we mean to head north but perhaps we could head into these mountains and have a look around and see what we can see before we head north um <clears throat> now we've heard rumors that they're fighting over something is that true in the mountains? The two forts? Yeah. Hmm. She says, yes, there is a... There is a pass that allows easy passage through the mountains. And once... From the, from the east to the west. And once more civilization comes to Balconan, it will be a, a strategically important place both Eastburn and his uh, his fellow lord up in Fort Kersey both wish to lay claim to the the pass and build a, a watchtower or something similar there and it is causing a great deal of tension there has been a number of skirmishes between their men but it has not yet escalated into open violence but both of them seem to have a belief that whoever controls this pass will have a great deal of power and influence once more people come to Valconan. What's your opinion of these humans in Fort Kersey? Are they any better than this rum lot? She says, I, I, I must confess, I, I, I've never been to Fort Kersey. I don't, really, I don't really know any of the people there. We have heard that the Lord Kersey is likewise associated with creatures of evil. She says, um, make no mistake, I, I do not believe that Lord Lord Eastburn is an evil man. Once he was once he was a just and honourable man, if if there is if he has any flaw, it is that he, he listened to Brannon in the first place and allowed 
allowed him to to poison his mind. There is a chance, I hope you realize that, there is no drawing the poison out of him. I realize that, but it's no lie to say that at the moment, Brannon is the actual ruler of oh, yeah. Fort Eastburn. Yes. That the Lord barely does a thing, but that Brannon has requested it. If, e even if Lord Eastburn cannot return to his command of the fort, I would rather see someone else take up that mantle than see a, a devil like Brannon in charge of the fort. And after all, as, as we've oh. said, eventually more people will come to Balconan and there'll be more mm -hmm. civilization here. I believe that if this, this rot, this this canker that, that is Brannon is allowed to, to fester and to set in, that when civilization is restored here, he will be so deeply embedded and corruption so deeply rooted that it will spoil whatever comes after. And once he is deeply embedded, we will never be able to get him out. And his corruption will spread to others. But Brannon is also against Fort Kersey. He seems to be, yes. He certainly, he certainly seems to be advising Lord Eastburn that it's in his best interests to, to seize hold of the the pass, and before the the people of Fort Kersey can do so. And before before Brandon was Eastburn still at odds with Kersey? Is that no they, change? They 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 were still at odds, but the the the, the violence behind it has escalated. It has gone from a disagreement to something that with to, to a powder keg that with the smallest of sparks could be set into a roaring blaze of violence and death. And when Brannon goes into the mountains, does he travel to the pass or does he travel somewhere else? I believe he travels to somewhere north of the pass from what I understand, but I'll say I've never actually followed him into the mountains, but that's what I hear. There are still a few people in the in the fort who do not believe that I am a traitor and we do receive small amounts of news and rumours from them when we can but it is perilous for myself or any of my recognisable men to to enter the fort. But, so just but, to be clear, is he going into the Grey Heights? She she, she get, gets one, gets a dagger out and she draws like a very sort of like rough map of the sort of area that you're in, basically. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to find an icon that I can just copy there just because I'm realising we've got two lots of mountains and we could be at cross purposes she said in the whale song forest though uh, oh, oh did she right okay okay so you see this icon I've put here that's roughly the area she's suggesting that he goes to so the pass that they're fighting over is down here as well because I, I yeah, was imagining it's up here oh right okay okay What's the disrupted area marked on the map 
out of interest in the, the disputed area that's oh, what they're sort of arguing over the area they want to build a uh, a watchtower in all oh, right so that's not directly linked to the pass then that's yeah that's that's to keep an eye on the pass isn't it yeah you see there's um yeah it's basically yeah it's all connected okay. to control the control the pass yeah. and the yeah, traffic okay. it, yeah. it, Obviously, as the conversation goes on, what she seems to be suggesting is as more people travel to Valcodon, obviously more of the forest is going to be felled. Yeah. And when that happens, like the mountains are going to be a strategically important location, and both of the sort of lords of the fortresses want to like lay claim to them. Because mm. obviously, you'll be able to like tax people who travel through the pass, stuff like that. Okay. So should we go and check out this location? See if we can find what attracts Brandon to this place? Yeah, I mean, we don't just want to sit and wait for him to turn up, do we? No. No, no we we want to take the initiative with him because it, it does appear that, well, we don't know the details of it, but he can speak you into his ally. So <laughs> we want to be the actors in this uh, with him. Yeah, it does sound like there could be a growing curse coming from this mountain. Yeah. It Mm. could could grow and, yeah, could infect more. So it's definitely a, a big threat to the area and ultimately us. So about that mithril uh, up to the north... If we go and check out this place, we could still then wander north from there. Yeah, and we also wanted to call it the Fort Kersey too, right? To see what's going on there. <clears throat> yeah. So we could go from here, from there to Fort Kersey, and then from there into that. Looking for the meeting. Mm-hmm. Right, so off to the mountains, I guess. Yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll settle our accounts with the brave band uh, in the forest. Okay. Get get them sorted out with the oh, important detail. Um, while we're talking locations, witness our sketch of the area. Uh, is there something you could add that we have not because we have been in the east for the most part is there more that you are aware of having lived on this side of the lake and the mountains and i'll sort of display that cove that they raid that there's apparently a a mystical cove uh that hides shrouded shrouded that that hides from the sight of mortals All these big gas ships that vanish. they say that a that a ship <laughs> made from the fingernails of dead men docks there. Okay, she says, uh, "Yes, I know the um, I know the cove you're talking about. Either it's a bit further along the coast than you seem to think." She like say, "Oh, we think it's here," and she says, uh, "Actually, mm-hmm. it's here." Mm-hmm. 
There you go, Malcolm. See, you're not as bad as you thought. <laughs> just, just needed to carry on walking, mate. It's so... It's not your fault. At which point, she says, there are... Um, one other thing I can possibly tell you. Uh, in the... In the forest, uh, maybe 12 miles to the northeast of here, there is a... There is a woman who lives in a, a small hut. She is a retired soldier uh, she she is set wanting to be free of the uh, the political machinations that are going on between the forts she has set herself up a a small farmstead of sorts there uh, we've encountered her and uh, wanting nothing from her we, we we left her in peace and she seemed uh, amenable to that Helen Gordon is her name Well, we will stop by and see if she might also like to uh, become allies with us and trade with New Zealand. She, she nods. Indeed. Well, uh, we thank you for your hospitality and uh, look forward to seeing you in and around New Zealand and hope for all the best in your endeavors and we will definitely get back to you if we find something. This, I, I think it's fair to say that this was rather more than we thought we would find <laughs> when we set out here. We, we set out here with thoughts of trade and perhaps politics. This goes rather far beyond that. She, she, nod, she nods and then she says, yeah, yes, I'm pleased with the outcome of this. And she indicates on the sort of roughly drawn map where this uh, this woman lives. I will I will draft a document of um, a letter of recommendation to their character and whatnot that they can present uh, to the, the, the watch at New Zealand, New Zealand. Um, and it, you know, explain to her. Just present this with my uh, recommendations for your um, safe conduct into into our our um, our hometown. Thank you. If if any of my men are heading to New Zealand, I shall make sure they carry this with them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Once you get to be known there, it won't be a problem. But the initial, this may um, grease the wheels and um, aid in in your uh, initial uh, visit, should we say, your presentation, should the need arise. Thank you, Mr. Stavish. Uh, you're welcome. At which point says, well, if, if our business is concluded, I suggest you spend what little remains of the evening here in relative safety my guards and like you see like the people are sort of fanning out once again to guard the perimeter you'll be as safe as you as you can be within the whale song forest here so i suggest you relax enjoy the rest of this uh, liberated drink and uh, relax for the evening after all t tomorrow may be full of dangers and perils but for tonight we can at least rest easy amongst new friends and she sort of like lifts up her like wooden cup 
a fine idea to your good health. Here, here. Okay. And as night falls on the bandit encampment, and you all drift off into a sleep with none of you having to take watches because the bandits are doing it, that is where we are going to draw a close to this evening's session. So thank you very much to my wonderful players for playing. I hope you all enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yep. cheers, John. Yep. And obviously we'll be we'll be cracking on with this in a couple of weeks' time with you guys heading north into the mountains and stuff like that. But for now, thanks for anyone who's watching this an hour in the future. We're going to end the recording here, so catch you later. <laughs>